tell us at headtoheadpinball at gmail.com or go to our website, headtoheadpinball.com. See you. Welcome everybody to the Head to Head Pinball Podcast. This is episode 63 and my name's Martin with me. It's Ryan C. How are you, Ryan? Good, mate. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Is that all? Mm. That's, that's all. That's it. Yeah, let's, let's talk about pinball. Yeah. Awesome. I love talking about pinball. So does Roger Sharp. He really does. <laughs> and we are now ready for part two of the Roger Sharp interview. And... I was gone for most of this. Yeah, you decided that you... Well, you didn't decide. You, you <laughs> told me before we started, if it goes to like this time, and it shouldn't because that's like three hours in, um, I need to go. And uh, because we took an hour to help Roger set up his his Skype, um, yeah, about two hours into the interview, which I guess is probably about 15, 20 minutes into this, um, you just... Yeah, you stop asking questions, and that means that you've gone. <laughs> okay, and then miraculously appeared an hour and ten minutes later, and it was still going. Yeah, you, you texted me, and you said, hey, are you still going to be going another 20 minutes? I'm like, no, wrapping up right now. And uh, no, I couldn't wrap right around. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But it was good, because we got the juicy stuff right at the, the end, so it was exactly. worth it. Okay. So Roll the tape, Marty. Here it is. When it comes to licensing... You're the licensed guy. So my my question to you is, how easy or difficult is it to get a license these days? It depends on what license theme you're looking for. Sure. Uh, is, is, is it difficult? No. Uh, is it impossible? At times. Absolutely. Is it cost prohibitive? It can be. It becomes, you know, look, it becomes relationships. I, I've been involved. I've been involved with licensing for over 30 years. There isn't anyone out in that world that I haven't worked with or don't know or can't get to. So for me, that experience is a little bit different than it would be for others who are venturing into that for the first time or don't know what what they can or can't get away with uh, or are afraid. Are how afraid much has it changed, though? Um, in, the, in the last couple of years, though, how much has it changed because – is there an extra element now that you're now competing against X amount of companies for the same license? Whereas before, you could just call up a company, you can talk, negotiate, and and set out a contract. Whereas, is, is it now that extra layer of they're now going to tell the other pinball manufacturers that I want this license and it becomes a bidding war perhaps? Well, all right. So let me let me answer the question this way. If the assumption is that the marketplace today is more diverse, better populated, so that it becomes more competitive to secure a particular license theme, well, let's see. Uh, granted, I had Williams and Bally, so I was overseeing two different distinct pinball companies. I also had Premier. I also had Data East. Um we were somewhat formative in regard to going out after the same stuff. Uh, if anything, the stakes were higher. Uh, it made for some interesting negotiations. Um, I think today it becomes easier. Now, it becomes easier fundamentally on the basis of what your projections are. What is your business model? 
And if you are a smaller company, and let's face it, there's Stern, Jersey Jack, and everybody else in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that's not to say, I'll use my own personal experience, that I wasn't able to, good, bad, or indifferently, I'll, I'll preface it that way, that I wasn't able to secure aliens for highway pinball. They didn't even have full throttle out in the marketplace yet. Uh, I, I had nothing to validate getting into a relationship with this company other than the fact that it was me negotiating on their behalf, which gave them a little bit more credibility. I say with some level of modesty. Uh, so I think that, you know, there are ways that you can go after licensed content with the understanding that this is what it is. Now, are there bidding wars that go on? Sure. There can be. You know, I've been involved in a couple of them. We'll, we'll remain nameless as to what projects, but, uh, you know, in some ways I was able to undercut what an offer was. Uh, again, just because of personal relationships. Uh, in others, I was able to be, you know, as competitive, if you will. The best part that pinball has is that it is unique unto itself. And at times, the decisions that are being made by the licensor are done on emotion rather than financial. God, won't that be neat to have that? It's not <laughs> going to generate. It's not going to generate as much money as the T-shirt license or the action toy, or, in all honesty, the video game. But yeah, we'd like to have a pinball machine. That would be kind of neat and novel to yeah. have. So I think that there's a unique positioning for pinball. Having said that, there are times, can't uh, say that there haven't been and won't be in the future, where there are some absolutes when it comes to finances that just don't make sense. And you just walk away. You'd love to do it, but it's like, seriously, can't. Can't afford it. Well, let's talk so, about a hypothetical yes. license, right? This is definitely sure. not going to become a pinball machine. Um, say like the Beatles pinball machine. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hypothetical out of, out of the blue. Yeah, sure, go. Um, yes. At, at, at what, at what <laughs> point <laughs> at, at what point would you walk away from something like that versus paying an, an insane amount of money for something? Is, is it the assets that would become available or the license restrictions like – what? W w when do you say no? Is it is it a dollar amount, or is it what comes with, you know, with the license? Well, I, I'll use a different hypothetical because the Beatles that you mentioned, uh, I actually was able to get that license. Uh, God, let's see. This is two thousand and eighteen. Been twenty years, about twenty five years ago. Had a chance to get it with uh, seven songs. Had a designer all lined up at a price point that would be difficult for most people to believe because it was as inexpensive as it was. What and company were you working with back then? Williams. Oh, no, that was Williams. Williams Bally. Wow, okay. Uh, had, had it all done and upper management, one person in particular said, nah, don't think so. 
So if any if anybody were to ever do the Beatles going forward, I'm sure that they would do it on the basis of it being uh, affordable and within budget. But uh, having said that, because that was a hypothetical, let's say that somebody wanted let's say that somebody wanted to do something based on uh, the movie Ben Hur. Sure. And whether or not there is anything like that, I don't know. <laughs> and maybe there is. I, I've heard some talk about some type of uh, God-given themes that may or may not be coming. But Ben Hur, not necessarily being godlike, uh, with the ability to have some some imagery that would feature. And I'm going to go back to the not the original original silent film Ben Hur, the one with Charlton Heston, and not the newer one that I think featured, um, oh, God, I can't think of his uh, name. Anyway, it's unimportant who the actor was. Um, but I would go to the studio and say, hi, I want to do Ben-Hur. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and this is something that I do now. Um, anyway, on a regular basis for my full-time career as well as my, I guess, part-time career. Um, but you wind up asking, what are the assets? Uh, I need some film footage of a chariot race uh i need to have the likeness rights of uh, charlton heston uh i definitely need the likeness rights of stephen boyd uh deborah Paget. god i'm actually remembering some of the talent from this film that was done in the 50s must have been on cable recently because it was well before i was born anyway so you go down a hit list of what you need and what you need to find from the studio is what do they actually cover Oh, I have to contact, and in this case, we'll use Charles Heston as, Heston as an example, because he's no longer alive. I need to contact the estate for his likeness rights and the ability to feature his image in stills and or in footage. Uh, so I have to pay for that separately. And you wind up kind of prorating out, oh, the music soundtrack that I want, I have to go and get that. I need the master and the sync rights sound effects and everything else. Can you get me stems and splits? So you wind up going through basically your shopping list to figure out exactly and precisely what is it that I am potentially buying. And once you see all of the things that are available, you need to make a decision internally, which is what we used to go through at Williams Valley and what I've gone through subsequently on projects for, for other companies since then is, is this, enough is this sufficient if it's not then we walk away if it is sufficient now i get to roll up my sleeves and figure out all right what's the cost going to be there's going to be a guarantee there's going to be some back-end royalty is it affordable does it make sense and if it does you go forward if it doesn't then you effectively walk away so I, I don't know if that's a, a, a complete answer to your question, hypothetical or not, but I think that, you know, you wind up determining what it is that's going to make the best possible, in this case, pinball machine. Well, how about, if I um, can't get all the, if I can't get all of the, the signature elements, all right, look, I'll share with you in regard to the Wizard of Oz, where I had a little bit of help with that uh, project for, for Jack. I had already done a Wizard of Oz as a slot machine, and it actually worked in tandem with uh, an online uh, adaptation that was done for social slots. I knew all the assets and the rights that I had. 
Jack was dealing with somebody differently at the studio who claimed that he couldn't get certain rights. And I talked to Jack and then I talked to Warner Brothers and I said, hi, I have all this stuff. All those rights are available. Check with this department, these individuals, and they will tell you. So sometimes, you know, on the outside, you might have more familiarity, if you will, with what actually does exist versus what doesn't exist or is assumed that it doesn't exist. So, Can you talk about, um, I know you're involved, yes. you mentioned before, with the alien license. Um, yeah. You know, there was, there was an absence of Sigourney Weaver on there. And, and I guess everyone that was thinking about ordering or, or had ordered was kind of hypo- hypothesizing about whether or not Sigourney Weaver um, didn't want to be a part of the project or it was just too expensive and cost prohibitive. And you, you talked before about whether you walk away or not. So was that what was happening there or, or was it just she didn't want to be involved at all? All right. So uh, taking nothing away from, from Andrew uh, at all, but the nature of what I do is that I stay – as involved as any of my clients want me to be on any project. Meaning that I'm there from, I guess, preconception to grave, start to finish. There are some projects where people utilize uh, those services to its fullest extent throughout the, not only the contract process, but, uh, approvals, submissions, getting necessary assets on through to the tail end. In the case of, uh, what, Dutch Pinball coming in midstream to make that go uh, more fluidly than than it had been, forgetting about all the problems that they've had with manufacturing whatever else. Uh, Andrew never called. I did the deal. I was available. Uh, I guess it was his decision not to pursue Sigourney Waver. I could have gone to her agent manager and uh, because truthfully, her rights were not included in any merchandising. It was something that was totally separate. Uh, but, you know, she exists in a slot machine, um, which was done for Ghostbusters. Uh, so it's not as she, she exists in some form on the uh, on the Zen pinball uh, right. So it's not as, well. as if right. So it's not as if she wouldn't be inclined to at least consider, yeah, having herself be a part of this project, which truthfully was, I think, a very uh, a significant role in her career. But Andrew never uh, made a phone call or sent me an email to say hi. We'd like this. So, because look, I'm I'm not totally naive and ignorant to some of this speculation and some of the the posts that are done. Uh, Not my call. I wasn't about to call up Andrew saying, hi, by the way, did you want me to do this for you? It's really incumbent upon the the companies and the people I work on behalf of to say, yes, we'd still like you involved or get away. We paid you and thanks and goodbye. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
<coughs> so did I a similar thing happen to um, the Big Lebowski with uh, the licensing for the songs? I remember the, the prototype that was shown early on had, you know, like the the exact song kind of put in there from like the Gypsy Kings and and whatnot. And yep. uh, was this, was it the same thing there? Yeah. Uh, in that particular instance, the rights that they got were for foreign rights. They needed to actually get rights that existed outside of Europe that were held by United States publishers. So they never did that. So that became one of the issues and problems. That music was available, uh, but the costs were going to be prohibitive going back through the various music publishers because the fact that you had um, vocals meant that you couldn't do re-records. So... Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't there from the beginning of the project, or maybe yeah. fortunately, as things turned out, where it, this wasn't something that I wound up being able to put together from the beginning. I was literally coming in and trying to put pieces back together again, rather than being able to create the pieces up front, if that makes sense at all. For sure, yeah. Are you involved at all with um, CGC at the moment with, with the recreations they, they're making with uh, Monster Bash and AFM so far? Yes. Yeah. So um, are, are there certain titles, you know, like you don't have to mention, you know, what they are, but are there Hypotheticals? Certain, are, yeah. Are, 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 there, <laughs> are there like those, those 90s Bally William DMD games that – um, there might be demand for it, but it, it might just be impossible. You know, I know like, uh, it was a far site had issues with, with Adam's family. Um, yes, you know, did. Dealing, yeah. But they wound up uh, actually navigating through that and uh, making it happen. Uh, I, I don't see obstacles for anything. Yeah. All I see are opportunities to pursue if there's enough interest. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, does what that, does that make sense? Does that yeah, make no, sense at all no, in a vague sort of way? No, yeah, no, no, it makes sense. I just, uh, you know, you see people kind of going online and saying, you know, Indiana Jones will be impossible because of Harrison Ford, this, this, and that. But um, that's that's refreshing to know that. Why why would they say that? Because he did appear on the uh, Mark Ritchie machine. <laughs> I don't from, know. Um, uh, along with along with vocals, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, look. Uh, one one of the, the the great gifts of the internet is that everybody can kind of post whatever the heck they want. Speculation, rumor, innuendo. Roger, you uh, need to you need to register an account on Pinside and correct all these people because you know it's not, <laughs> it's not every day that we get to we get to talk to you, right? The guy who actually knows what he's talking about. No, 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 no. It's, it's, I'll tell you what winds up happening because I, unfortunately I really don't follow a lot of stuff except I may get a random phone call from Josh or even Zach. What have you done now? Huh? What? All right, here, I'll send you the link. This is what's being said about you. Huh? Where did this come from? Well, you know, all right. What, what do I do anything? Do I respond? No, don't. I just wanted to make you aware of it. I didn't know if you had actually said this, done this. Um, so that's kind of how it works. So rather than having an account anywhere, uh, I, I'd rather just kind of stay back in, in the shadows no, as, a, as a historical footnote. Yes, the boys don't. take the brunt of 
<laughs> yes. Okay, so what do you think about, I mean, licensing at the moment with all the players in the market, uh, we have people like uh, American Pinball choosing titles such as uh, Houdini and uh, the recently announced Oktoberfest. Do you think, I mean, if, if, if you, if Roger Sharp was to create a pinball company tomorrow, do you think, you know, there's, I guess, three different ways to go, you know, a license, uh, kind of like a quasi-license, I'm not sure what you want to call it, with like Houdini and Oktoberfest, or a completely original theme such as America's Most Haunted and Dialed In. Which of those three do you think you'd go for as a, a newer company? Oh, for a first release, it's interesting. Um, I think that one of the fears that existed by probably the, the longest tenured company in the market was that people would only consider buy play uh, a pinball machine if there was a license that the strength of it being just pinball wasn't enough to corral their attention and potentially to have them open up their pocketbooks and I found that somewhat discouraging personally because it means that the actual pinball machine itself is kind of insignificant. Back. Yeah, 100%. That's not the focus. The focus is, you mentioned before, Batman 66. Oh, it's Batman 66. I don't care what it looks like. Does it have flippers? I don't care. I, I, I'm going to buy this immediately. I don't care what the price is. Uh, I'm just a big Batman 66 fiend. And I understand that maybe there's like a little monitor and you get to see stuff and they have all this footage of, long deceased actors like Cesar Romero and Burgess Meredith. So yes, I got to have this. Um, I think that, you know, when, when the game itself becomes secondary to the theme, uh, I, I have problems with that because it, it delegitimizes, uh, you know, what pinball represents for me personally. So to answer your question, I think it would really be dependent upon whether or not there was a theme that kind of just stood out and said, wow, okay, let's do that. You know, Bonsai Run did not need a theme. It was unique unto itself because of a vertical play field. Yeah. You know, we, we wind up forgetting that the majority of games during my tenure from 1988 until 1999 weren't licensed. We had some pretty compelling and successful games that were not licensed themes. People think very fondly of medieval madness. Uh, you know, the, the, that's not a license. Uh, so, uh, but it, it didn't sound I, I, crazy I back then, right? Like in 1997, I guess the, the pinball market was on a, on a, on a downward trend, but uh, the key is that the marketplace was softer back then. It, it's why you're looking at games that are getting redone, if you will, from Chicago gaming like uh, Attack from Mars, where we cut the runs short. And we needed to keep the production line going, and you're coming out with a new... Um, and, uh, you know, you, you've left something on the table. Uh, you know, the extra thousand limited edition golds of Adam's family. You know, we were able to sell those. Yeah. Uh, if we would have kept the assembly line still going, maybe without that you know, specialness, if you will, uh, maybe we would not have been able to push an extra thousand machines. 
So I think that there are uh, times where some machines were not given their their fullest potential for a variety of reasons, some political, uh, some probably because of uh, market conditions or otherwise. Um, but again, to go back to answer your question, I would do a mix and a match. I wouldn't be held hostage to uh, the first machine that, you know, sharp pinball would create. Um, <laughs> I, I would want something that's universal. Um, I might change some of the form factor. We were talking about it before to go for a younger market. Um, I, I think that there's a variety of ways to be innovative, inventive, and to have a compelling and exciting product that can stand on its own and exist on its own without necessarily needing some type of a theme, if you will, to carry it through that happens to be licensed. Having said that, obviously, based on what my experience and career has been, I wouldn't shy away from doing licenses either. And in the case of some things, it might be, as we did with Roadshow, it might be something like Carlene Carter with her own music playing, yeah. if, you, if you like her. Is it a licensed game? No. Does it feature, in quotes, licensed music? Yes. Does it? Well, how do we how do we use like dialed in as an example? Because uh, you know, I was there and, and you were there too in in 2016 when they they revealed it at the Chicago Pinball Expo. And um, yes, there was America's Most Haunted before, but Jesse Jack kind of was coming off you know two two decent sized releases. Um, what? <laughs> Everyone now, if you, if you look back now, people say Dialed In is the best game. Um, obviously not for everyone. If you ask my wife, she'll say Wizard of Oz. Um, gotcha. Yes. But but it had the, the numbers aren't there compared to the other theme. And, 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 you know, Jack has said himself, it comes with its own, yes, things are easier because they don't have to ask anyone for permission on certain things and certain assets. But then they have to sit there and recreate everything they have to, they have to create the dulled in world they have to create all the music they can't put on acdc or, or iron man and uh, iron maiden and say okay you know click this to to play how i be thy name and it'll just play in the background while while the game's playing so <laughs> is it is it an uphill battle for licenses in in this day and age like do, do you think it has a future or do you think it's just a possibly a, a temporary phase that the industry is going through um, and, and maybe a necessity for some of the small companies who can't afford or, uh, or navigate the licenses. Uh, let me answer the question this way, because it was a joke that I had with Jack when dialed in was in development and he was going to take in quotes, this big risk. I'm not going to do a licensed theme. I'm going to do an original thing that Pat's working on. And I told him, I said, yeah, but for your audience, it is a licensed game. Jack looked at me and he said, huh? No, it's not. I said, it's a Pat Lawler license. Yeah. You're going for the pinball community, and all you have to say is it's Pat Lawler. And suddenly you have instantaneous attention. Pat Lawler has a game, a new game. Pat, who's been out of it for so long, but I love everything that he's ever done. Oh, my God. Whatever it is. Is I, I got to see it. I got to touch it. I got to buy it. And I think that what it proved, and uh, maybe we'll see, uh, was that there was room for an original theme. Uh, again, 
a Pat Lawler license, if you will, yeah, um, to to be successful to the extent that Steve Ritchie is been on record whether or not it holds true his next game is going to be an original theme and i think that i I think that there's room in the market for games that are uniquely i'll call a pinball centric rather than being uh, uh musician based movie based uh celebrity based tv show based um and and i i tend to uh have a different opinion when it comes to what Jack has said, because Jack was somebody again, uh, and again, not wanting to point fingers or anything else where, hey, Jack, you know, I've got you these licenses. If you want any help, give me a shout. (laughs) You're having some problems with Hobbit. I got you the license. Uh, Let me know, and I will help you. Uh, with, With pirates, let me know. And, you know, the silence becomes deafening, and that's fine. Uh, I'm not looking to, you know, take on more stuff unnecessarily, nor am I begging and pleading to stay involved actively with projects if the sense is, thanks, Roger, it's great, we couldn't have done it without you, and, you know, and the, and then you move on. But but having said that, and going back to the, the question, uh, I'd like to believe that, Everything does not have to have a license attached to it. My my feeling, and let me let me back up for a second, and maybe this will bring things to uh, a center point. Williams had never done licensed games, even back during the day when Bally had taken over and you know done things with Wizard, Captain Fantastic, and and, and so on. And when I got there in 1988. Uh, I thought, wouldn't it be nice? Because nobody was doing licenses at all. Mm. Wouldn't it be nice if we did like a license theme, I don't know, like four times a year? Do one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall, one in the winter. That was what my my thought process was. Not every game, because we were doing, you know, upwards of about, you know, eight to ten different models a year. And then you bring in Bally into the equation in the summer of that year, and suddenly, you know, you're almost doubling your output. Uh, I, I never wanted it to be more than, you know, a few games per year. That would be kind of special on yeah. to themselves. Um, and, uh, and we kind of adhered to that for a long period of time until it became a process where, all right, we need a license. Okay, any license? What's coming up? What movie? What's the time frame on it? I remember Hans Rosenzweig, <clears throat> who was really a very formative and formidable individual in the world of pinball, uh, as a very magnetic, incredible supporter of pinball machines out of Germany, our distributor, who said, why don't you do something that is uh, is more timeless, more vintage? Everything that you're doing is now, you know, current movies, yeah. uh, Terminator and and." Adam's family and need something that, you know, goes back in time. <laughs> and fortunately, Barry kind of stepped up because I was able to get the Dirty Harry license. For sure. And, and when, whether people like the game or not, it's immaterial. But I remember Hans coming into Chicago and he saw Dirty Harry and he turned to me. And the first, is there a new movie coming? <laughs> no, there isn't. 
you wanted something that was timeless. I mean, come on, make my day. This is Dirty Harry. And, and I just laughed. It was like, you know, sometimes you want to deliver what is being asked for. And uh, the person might not have actually totally meant it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, and the game did very nicely for us and it was a fun game, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, uh, looking at licensed themes today, it becomes more difficult. The entertainment business is so fragmented. Where do you go for content? Yeah. Uh, that is, that is more universal. Everybody doesn't have Netflix. And hypothetically, if anybody were to do Stranger Things, how many people are really familiar with that? It's Well, I was just going to say, how many older bands can you go back, you know, who are on their, you know, their 58th final farewell tour? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and, and please, it's, I don't take anything away from the kisses of the world or I'm making Aerosmith, but contemporary groups today don't have the same reach, if you will, when it comes to, we'll call it ancillary merchandise. They don't have the same staying power. And if you go back too far, then it may be a question that it's not for everybody's taste. So it becomes much more difficult to kind of fit into Where's the mainstream? Do you take the risk anymore, as we did on multiple occasions, that we're going to be ready day and date for that film? And you cross your fingers and you hope that the shadow is going to be successful. Congo. If it doesn't, if it's not successful, right. If it's not successful, you hope that the game itself can survive and endure, which both did, both Johnny as well as uh, the shadow. And other times you hit a home run like Terminator or Adam's family and, and others that don't come instantly to mind. But I, I think that that becomes the, uh, the challenge in looking at content that kind of, you know, crosses over both young, old male and female. Yeah. Me, me and Marty were discussing it the other day um, about how basically, you know, back in the, in the seventies and the eighties, everyone was experiencing kind of the same thing i mean everyone obviously had their taste of what kind of music they liked and whatnot but as as a as a whole everyone's like oh yeah i remember that commercial i remember that tv show but now we're bombarded with such extreme amounts of entertainment uh, whether it be on our, our phones or as i said the streaming services like hulu and netflix that you know yes there's popular tv shows like game of thrones and walking dead and we've had pinball machines for them but you know, is is Walking Dead going to be known twenty years from now? Um, you know, like, it, it, you think that's why people are, are pulling on all these nostalgic themes, like like Ghostbusters, and and it, it, I don't think anyone probably has the balls to to make a pinball machine on a movie that hasn't come out yet, like a a fresh IP. Uh, oh no, it's it's difficult. Trust me. You know, I remember flying out with, you know, designers to California to read scripts and to figure out, is there enough here for us to want to do this? Um, And that is taking a risk. But, uh, you know, right now it's, it's difficult. So you go back to, you know, the tried and true that you believe and know 
uh, has the broadest appeal, and uh, you hope that the sequel doesn't suck, or that the third movie hasn't fallen apart, or that they don't <laughs> change they don't change the talent so that oh wow you did Spider Man with Tobey Maguire oh sorry it's now he's this not, new guy he's not cool uh, anymore right so I think that uh, to 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 the point that you're you're making and and asking um, you have to be really discerning in what it is that you have an appetite to take on yeah um, and uh, whether or not it's going to have some semblance of staying power where it doesn't seem too antiquated uh, too soon or too forgettable. Um, and uh, yeah, the, 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 the fact that something might exist on your iPhone or whatever. I mean, I remember talking to Pat when he said he was getting back into pinball and he says, got this idea. I'm going to put a phone in the game. Huh? I'm going to put a phone in the game. Okay. Because Pat always had gadgets and gizmos and whatever else. And that was the premise for Dialed In. And I mean, even the name of the game was to have a phone. To have something there on the play field that makes you just stop and say, huh? I have to put money in just to see what the heck this thing does. For sure. Um, so I think that, you know, in looking at... Uh, IP and looking at content out there, uh, it's the same thing. What what can you create that's going to be memorable uh, that captures the quintessential elements of that particular property, okay. that celebrity, that personality? Um, so, and to the point that Jack might have justified, I don't have to go through all these approvals. And this and that and whatever else. It's not a hardship. It really isn't. Now, I say that personally because for me, it never has been a hardship. For others, it probably can be. It can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. I got to make a phone call. I got to, oh, I got to submit stuff and they're going to want to make a change. Uh, oh, 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 woe is me. Well, you know, look, I've worked on probably over 400 different licenses over the years. Not just pinball and, and video games and slot machines and whatever else. You know, that's all part of the process. And, okay. you know, sometimes they can make input that makes the ultimate product better. So it's not an intrusion. But, yeah. again, it's, it's it, to each his own. Roger, just one, one last question on licensing. Um, I want to kind of draw a comparison to um, Adam's Family in, in 1992, I think it came out. Um, yep. I remember hearing an interview with, with Pat Law and he was talking about how uh, you guys read the script and there was a weather-changing device um, in, the, in the script. So that's what the topper was. The topper was meant to be this, this device that the, uh, the Adams family had that could cause, like, you know, thunderstorms and, and stuff like that. That ended up getting kind of uh, taken out of the movie. However, that's still on the pinball machine. It's on every single one that you guys made. Yep. Fast forward to today, uh, you know, <laughs> there's the, the, the topper is now an accessory that you can buy for a pinball machine with companies like Stern, um, and they have their Star Wars pinball machine, and the, and the topper still hasn't come out, and it's become a bit of a joke, you know, when, when's the Star Wars topper going to come out? Why do you think it's, it's so different that you were able to put a, 
a topper on Adam's Family Pinball Machine that had nothing to do with the movie um, that came out versus whatever they're trying to do with the Star Wars topper at Stern. Um, God, how do I make this sound politically correct? <laughs> um, I guess it's the people that are involved in getting all these pieces into place, but more importantly, the fact that there's now this aftermarket that didn't exist back in 1992. Yeah. So, you know, if I had three beacons on top of a pinball machine with high speed because it draws some attention and I have a color bar across on something like Pinbot, um, you know, that became something that we wound up doing. If I can put a fan on top of Whirlwind, you know, let's just, that that's part of the game. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily an option that somebody could buy. Uh, you know, the game comes this way or this way. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, and not knowing fully, you know, whatever is supposed to be taking place at Star Wars or even with Chicago Gaming and the couple of different toppers that he's done now uh, with uh, both uh, Attack from Mars and uh, what's going to be coming uh, next with uh, Monster Bash. Uh, I think that, you know, the times have changed. The market has changed. There are many more folks out there either doing it under some type of agreement or not, who are creating all these various modifications where you can uh, pimp out your pinball machine. Yeah. So, you know, instead of, in quotes, just giving it away, it becomes easier to have it be an added source of revenue. Okay. So I, I don't know the business model at Stern in terms of what they're doing or what the difficulties may or may not be, but for us... It was just an added little wrinkle that uh, upper management said, "Sure, okay. <laughs> we can do this. We can do this vacuum formed up here and do this stuff. Yeah, let's go for it. Make it look all nice and pretty." Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess a lot bigger operator market uh, back then, and now it's shifted to, to home use. So, you know, you, oh, you I've, seen, kind of I've seen games. I, I've seen some games at, at various trade shows, conventions, what have you that are so tricked out. It's like, seriously, really? Oh my God. Oh, it's a shimmer ball. That that's, that's so, so wonderful on the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited by that. Oh, the LEDs. Yeah. Can you make them even brighter and more blinding? And, Oh, that's a nice little toy that you've added to the top of that ramp that does absolutely nothing, but sure. It blocks my sight for the lanes behind it. But that, <laughs> hey, that, it, that's wonderful. You've personalized it, and and it's all wonderful, well and good. And and you know, I I I don't have any problems with it. Whatever you know, whatever rocks anybody's boat, go for it. I I you know, I'm. I was into pinball in the nineties when I was a kid. My dad had some machines, and and just newly into it, and. Um, I haven't been super big on on mods, but my my uh, philosophy and way of thinking is that you can you can do whatever you want to the machine. It's just make it play okay. Like you said, you can have the a color DVD, <laughs> a, a nice topper, um, you know, all the trinkets that you want to 3D print and stick on the on the play field. But at least like rebuild the flippers every once in a while. Like make right. it yep. make it play okay because that that's what pinball is, right? Like if you want if you want art, just 
buy the play field and, and stick it on the wall. But if you're going to play it, then, you know, be proud of, of I guess, the way the, the pinball machine plays. I, I tend to think of it this way. The cake looks really, really good. And if the icing tastes okay and doesn't detract from the cake, fantastic. Otherwise, cut me off a piece that doesn't have a lot of icing on it. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Um, Roger, where are we now in the in the pinball cycle with with all of these companies? And, and we, I mean, there's still another company to make its debut. We've got you know Deep Root who kind of came out with uh, you know we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and and I guess no one took it that seriously until now. There's I guess uh, you know so many industry veterans and new talent working for them. Um, is there is there room in the pinball market for more players? And do, do you see do you see the market growing as fast as the options are becoming available for pinball machines? Uh, okay, couple of parts to the question. Do I see there being room for uh, more pinballs to be produced, either from a single manufacturer or from dozens? Yes. Uh, I think that the world marketplace, I said before, went from two million down to maybe a couple hundred thousand. Um, I, I think that there's room for growth, but it also means, and I, I don't want to be repetitive, but it also means uh, trying to get product pinball machines into new locations so that you can grow that marketplace. So it becomes, you know, uh, the the means justifying the ends and the ends justifying the means. Okay, all that aside. New manufacturers have an opportunity. Uh, it's a question of what their their business model is for their level of success. If if you can make a company successful and you can build, you know, five hundred machines of a particular model or a thousand or or fifty, and that works for you, then you can be successful. Right now, the total output from all the manufacturers put together is less than about twelve to 14,000 machines. And that's being incredibly optimistic and very aggressive. Yeah. Um, we used to do that in a single model. My God, we're now looking at, to, to your point, multiple manufacturers, probably at least five or six actively in the process of releasing, designing, building machines. And that's, well, that's, the that's what I'm that, getting at. I mean, like, does for say Deep Root to come in the market and have X amount of machines available on day one? You know, if, if that can happen, it, do they reach a new market, or do, do they just take away sales from the Stearns and the JJPs and the Spookies and, and American Pinball in the market? Uh, yes, and yes, they'll reach okay. a new market, and they're going to take away because until you get the back end fixed everybody's going after effectively the same audience. Yeah. It's why you have situations where somebody makes an announcement of a machine being available before it's available so that you can stop somebody from reaching into their pocket because maybe they have finite budget to buy a single game. Maybe they have finite space where they can only fit in one more game or their first game. Yeah. So, let me make that announcement now. Hi, this is coming. Get excited. Don't do anything. Don't buy this one over here <laughs> or buy that one over there. Or, 
oh, there's a rumor out there that this may be coming. <gasps> it's unsubstantiated, but somebody's going to keep on allowing on that to. rumor yeah. to grow and yeah. grow hypothetically, of course, we're talking yeah. about uh, that something may be coming. We don't know exactly when, but, and I, and I think that uh, for a company, we talked about Deep Root coming out with multiple machines. Hypothetically, if those machines were kind of already pre-announced, pre-designed by somebody, mm-hmm. and now they are actually going to take life in a new way, shape, or form, uh, then at least what you are doing is following up on the promises that had been previously made. Um, and you're going to deliver some quantity because your assumption in asking the question is, will there multiple introductory releases, number one, all be available day one? Will they be available in some sequential order? Will they be available in some limited quantities? We're releasing, and, and this is just me, and it's not even a hypothetical. I'm just saying, and I don't want to put it on deep root, uh, but... Let's say that it is company X. All right, Sharp Pinball. Sharp Pinball is going to be introducing 12 new games from day one. Yes. All right? Yeah. Wow, seriously, how? What? Well, out of the 12, uh, machine number one, we're only going to be doing 20. Machine number two, we're going to do another 10. Uh, Machine number six, we're actually going to build 200. I mean, when you look at the aggregate total, oh, wow, there are 12 games they're going to be producing 500 machines. They're only going to be building four a day. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Then they're not flooding the marketplace saying that, hi, day one, out of our 12 games, we're going to have 12,000 machines that we're going to be producing. So, I mean, there, there becomes a level of practicality to it, which is why if you look at the various companies and whatever their thresholds might be financially, uh, structurally, in terms of their production capabilities, being able to get parts, uh, and, and so on, um, everybody has their own way of bringing things to bear. Look, the beauty and wonder of, of Stern, and I give them a heck of a lot of credit, because there's something that we at Williams Valley could never do. We did it a couple of times, I take that back. But by and large, we could never do it. Gary has the ability to go back in and do small runs. Mm-hmm. When we built games back in the day, when we were done, we were done. Yeah. Granted, we did a special uh, uh, production for, for Harley, no, for Harley Davidson, for yeah. Adam's family. Uh, but otherwise, we were done. So when you talk about medieval madness, well, didn't produce a lot. Well, for whatever the reasons, and maybe the marketplace had slowed a little bit, maybe distribution wasn't willing to take any more. Maybe they wanted something new, despite the fact that it was a good game. We were done. We never would go back and revisit and say, hi, uh, do you want us to build another 100? But the ability for Stern Pinball to act on a dime and bring back whether they call it vault editions or whatever else, great for them. Fantastic. It really is. Because it keeps various product alive longer and keeps it available for the marketplace who may not necessarily be early adopters who are straddlers or waiting for whatever the reason might be and suddenly say, oh, God, I wish I could have gotten Avengers. Yeah. Well, hi, guess what? We're building 
uh, a whole new production of Avengers, special limited edition. We made some tweaks, some changes. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I mean, wrong, wrong title, Roger. Wrong title. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm just saying that that becomes the the wonder and the beauty of yeah. what they've been able to do in their production facility to accommodate that. And more importantly, we're got. 80% of our production back at Williams Valley was done in the first couple of months. After that, it was the dribs and the drabs. Now you can have somebody like Charlie who can work on a moment's notice to say, hi, we're going to be doing TNA, and then we're going to turn it back over. We're going to do uh, Alice Cooper, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. And, and we can build 20 of this, 10 of this. We can go back in. Um, the, the flexibility for the companies today to do that. I think means that you have a greater probability and likelihood for there to be more opportunities for other manufacturers, boutique or otherwise, to enter into the marketplace and bring in product. And hopefully working through distribution, and we're talking about coin-operated amusement game distributors, to get their product out into the mainstream so it's not necessarily an 80-20 rule where 80% of our production is going for the home and 20% is going for commercial operation. Do you think, I mean, uh, you know, the pinball manufacturers that have struggled recently, like, uh, you know, Highway Pinball and uh, uh, Dutch Pinball, do you think, I mean, like, there's obviously a, a bunch of players in the market now and that they seem to, you know, most of them have their their stuff in order and, and, you know, obviously it takes them a lot longer than CERN to produce pinball machines. But do you think there's a point where the demand for a certain machine that a new company would produce would be so low that they, they couldn't justify making another one? Um, Cause that, I guess that hasn't happened recently. And I, I, it happened in the, in the nineties with, uh, you know, the closure of, of a bunch of manufacturers. Um, do you well, like Capcom? Yeah, Cap- Capcom and, and you know, uh, you know, got Lee, yes, I, Alvin G. And um, right. do, do you see that possibly on the cards for for some of these manufacturers? And do you see possibly like a, a, a merger of, of two of the smaller companies? Or, you know, where do, where do you see the market heading in the next couple of years? I, I think that there's always that risk of entering into a market where you don't assess all of what your costs are going to be. Yeah. And, and looking, I guess, and we'll see what happens with, what is it, Team Pinball and the Mafia that they have coming out, yeah. uh, you know, as another, as another manufacturer, or what Wayne Gillard tried to do uh, way back when yeah. um, with the Bally Assets, uh, or what uh, Gene Cunningham, attempted to do with Big Bay Bar and thinking that he could do more, better, and different. Um, I think that you wind up realizing that there is a heavy price to pay to become a manufacturer of pinball machines. Uh, It is labor-intensive. There's a heck of a lot of parts. Um, There is a need for some type of an interface, meaning a distributor network. You're not going to sell direct. Uh, You can't. Because you, you 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 can't provide the technical support necessary. Um, yeah. So so to to answer your question more fully, there can be an expectation of a company, and maybe there is one that exists exists today, that feels that they can enter in and have an impact and become incredibly viable and successful. 
And for whatever the reasons are, their expectations may not be realized and they wind up stepping back and saying, oops, we're done, which can happen, become a one-hit wonder, happens in the music business. Uh, it may be a situation of combining forces to what you said, where, you know, two different companies may say, hi, it's time. Look, Williams and Bally combined. <laughs> Yeah. At some point in time, you know, people forget that, yeah. uh, you know, Bally was a significant force in pinball, uh, as was Midway and video. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, in 1988, Williams wound up purchasing the amusement game assets from Bally and took over the Bally line as well as the Midway line for both pinball as well as video games. Uh, why, so why do you think it hasn't happened now in the sense, I mean, I know Medieval Madness was made by um, Stern to begin with, the first X amount of pinball machines. Why do you think that hasn't happened to, uh, you know, why isn't whatever, the new X company getting American Pinball or Spooky or JJP to produce their pinball machines? Is it not cost is it is it not an advantageous uh, financial move by the people that are making the pinball machines or well I think that the situation I don't want to speak out of school uh, but I think the situation specifically you had mentioned about uh, medieval madness when you are reliant on another manufacturer because they have the capabilities to build a comparable product and you want to get some time on the assembly line, you're not necessarily going to be in first position to get your product built. I mean, even take a look at, you know, something like, uh, um, and how long that took only because the priorities were different. And, and understandably, I, I don't take that as a negative in regard to Stern's, you know, business philosophy and what made the most sense for them as a company. Having said that, it provided the impetus for Chicago Gaming to determine, huh, I guess we should produce our own games. So you're saying the, I guess the, way, the only And that the only way, way we, can control, we can control our manufacturing, yeah. our, our production cycles, and we don't have to be reliant on anyone else and i think when you can bring things in-house look years and years ago uh people like dave christensen paul ferris greg ferris created an art department nobody was using an art department prior to that they were using ad poster and others you know constantino mitchell created an art department within williams Suddenly, there was a company out there that had said, hi, guess what? We've been doing this for the last 40 years for the industry. Where are you guys going? Yeah. Well, we're bringing it in-house because it makes sense for us to do that economically and other reasons. So I think that uh, to the point that you know Charlie has set up some type of production capability, American Pinball has. Deep Root, I guess, is in the process. Uh, Michael Kalinowski, I guess, is doing his thing. In China and, you know, Dutch pinball, we all kind of know from all of the uh, the posts and things, had a manufacturer, had some problems. They're trying to get new manufacturing. 
uh, I guess the mafia people, uh, and I shouldn't say it that way. Team Pinball with the, mafia, <laughs> with the mafia themed game have already built 10 games and, you know, however many they're going to be building. So whether you're hand building or whether you're setting up an assembly line operation, Jersey Jack being an example as well. Uh, I, I think that it's always better when you can control your own destiny. But having said that, it also adds the expense of personnel, uh, having a large enough space to accommodate. And I remember seeing all the pictures and the videos that Andrew had done and new equipment coming in. And, oh, my God, it's all state of the art or it's older stuff, but it's still really good. And we got a great price on it. And here's our facility. Um, yeah. And it's like, wow, okay, look at what he set up. Kind of cool, kind of neat. Well, obviously, he stretched beyond his means financially and needed some help. And uh, I guess that help didn't come fast enough or wasn't enough or however the management was going. Uh, it didn't go in the direction that, you know, it needed to go. Okay. But they're going to be splintering off, I guess, and doing some of their own stuff from some of the people who were involved with it. So there becomes yet another boutique that starts up. So uh, I think that, yes, there is room for growth. Um, I think that there always has been and will be. And I tend to view this from a historical perspective. And I'm going to go well back, not only prior to when you guys were born, but even prior, if possible, before I was even born, which I know brings people thinking that's around the time of the Flintstones and dinosaurs, but <clears throat> no, uh, I, 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 I don't go back that many eras and not that many centuries. But <laughs> in the beginning of pinball in the early 30s, you had, you know, multiple manufacturers, if you will. Might have been family startups like Gottlieb was and, and others, but you had literally dozens upon dozens of, in quotes, companies, and you can define that any way that you want, who were building little pin games. And I tend to view today, currently, as being much more a return to that historical reference of smaller companies starting up. And will some consolidate? Yes. Will some go under? Absolutely. Just historically, look at anything that's out there. There's an inevitability to it. The strong will survive. Uh, some of the strong will become stronger because they'll band together. And more importantly, we will all, as the fans of pinball, be better for it. Because the elevation of the art form will be a necessity to remain competitive. When you are a sole manufacturer in any field, there's really not anything pushing you to become better. Look, the, the cable TV didn't feel a necessity to really do anything more, better, or different than what they were doing until suddenly you had some of these other services that popped up doing original programming. And, oh, my God, we can't just be a movie station anymore. We need to have some original programming. And we can't just rely on the movie studios to give us stuff six months after it's been off the big screen or a year after it's off the big screen. You know, everybody's really competing for eyeballs. 
and for attention and for a commitment on the part of an audience that they hope becomes loyal. And the same thing I think holds true for pinball. Does any of that make sense at all? Or no, it, it, no, no, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. I said it, it's, it's, uh, the, you, you talked about the necessity before, and I guess it happened, you know, you know, in the, in the late nineties and it happens, I mean, it happened, it happened during the war, you know, the, the, uh, the way in which technology accelerated during the war was insane because it was it was it was a necessity. Um, you know, maybe we're not there yet with with uh, the cycle we're on in pinball, but maybe it's coming in the next couple of years. Um, it, it, it's, it's hard to judge the market because um, it, it's it's it moves slow, but it moves quick at the same time. It's, it's changing. You know, uh, you know, Charlie could could sell out of of. Uh, Rob Zombies before it was, you know, it was announced it sold out. Um, you know, Alice Cooper, you would see as a more, um, you know, maybe a better design and a more powerful theme. But, you know, in those two years or however long it was between those titles, the market has changed enough that um, that business strategy and, and marketing um, type hasn't worked to its fullest in that he hasn't sold out yet. Um, but, let, you know, I guess... We can we can move on from uh, you know trying to predict the doom and gloom of pinball. Um, no, 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 but let me ask let me ask a question of you. Yeah, what would you like to see different with pinball? I, I'm in a, almost the same boat as you, and and in that when a machine sells out before it's seen, it's I guess it's it's good for the industry in the sense that the companies are, are making money, but it's sad in the sense that the market is in that state where it, it is just, hey, look, I've got this, I've got this asset, I own this, which is a, a collectible, versus the game being actually good. And the, the, so the biggest one for me is, is dialed in. And I guess I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I haven't supported JJP in, in, in um, buying that machine for myself. But I just think it was just one of the, the biggest risks and, you know, one of the, the greatest machines in terms of um, shot layout and, and the geometry and, and everything is just so perfect compared to other machines that have come out in the last um, couple of years. But it, there's the, the, the pinball community as a whole. It's this whole, you know, like, oh, you're cool because you have this limited edition model and and you know how many dialed ins are they making oh my gosh they're making two and a half thousand that's not limited that's stupid well you know right. the whole collect as i said i'm a bit of a hypocrite as well because i do have some limited edition machines i you know it, it you do feel special sometimes when you have something that, that <laughs> others don't have but i just sure. I, I feel like what i grew up on um, when my dad was operating machines in the nineties was, you know, getaway and, and whitewater. And said so we mentioned the other day, whitewater, it's, it's a game about whitewater rafting. Like that's, that's not cool, you know, like, but right. it's a great game and it's fun. You guys sold like 10,000 units. Yep. Why, 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 why the nineties games to me, they just feel like they're so much more fun than, what's coming out now and i guess it's maybe it's the imagination part of it you know like what is this world what is dialed in versus hey i used to watch this tv show i, used to, I went to this band as concert in the uh in the 70s and 80s and hey they might be washed up now but that's what i liked when i was a kid well and i think that we pushed ourselves you know people used to ask you know who is our biggest competitor you know back then back in the early 90s and, and in all honesty, I used to say uh, our previous games, 
it took nothing away from you know the other companies that were in the market, but you know when you have about eighty five percent of the world marketplace for pinball, uh, yeah, you're competing against your former successes, and it it raises the bar. And when you have an environment with the type of personalities that we did have, who were very competitive, uh, well, if he's doing that, well, then I'm going to do this, and. And it, and it was a it was a great friendly rivalry that raised and elevated everybody's level of creativity and imagination, and I think that that's the part that really kind of spurs things forward when that happens. But I want to ask you another question: yeah. um, What's your favorite pinball machine? Because I didn't get a chance to ask you some of the questions that I usually ask people. <laughs> it, to, to be it's honest, all been, it's all been it's all been too much me. So yeah, what's your favorite? <laughs> game? Well, we've had 60, 61 podcasts. And to me, it, it, it changes constantly. I've got uh, 25 or so machines, so um, I don't play certain machines for a couple of months, and then I come back to them and say it's, it's like a new experience for me. Um, okay. Overall, I would, I would have to say um, Tron, and, and simply because the, the experience to me when I play Tron is one where I'm, I'm totally sucked into uh, – as you said, uh, I think it was in the in the eighties or, or nineties, the three D world under glass. Um, I think maybe it was yep. you that coined that that phrase, which has been uh, kind of, I guess, bastardized and and used a lot yes, recently. Yes, it has been. It's, it's been <laughs> a lot. Yes, but it's 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 the light show and the excitement of that game. It just and, and I'm fascinated by what makes me like a pinball machine because the, you know there is no perfect pinball machine and. Um, Sometimes I want to play a long playing game like Wizard of Oz and, and Lord of the Rings, and sometimes I want to play ten games of of Tron in 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 twenty minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's sure. I don't I don't know, and I don't think people know exactly what they like in pinball machines. So they will say, ah, oh, you know, Kiss is a, a horrible pinball machine, but I love Aerosmith. And I say, well, what what do you love about Aerosmith? Like, oh, I love I love this shot. I'm like, well, Aerosmith, you know, Kiss has that shot, and people. You know, there's, I don't think there's an exact formula of why people like what they do because it's it's just sensory overload, right? When you're playing pinball machines, you're just uh, well. And just, sometimes it's it's kind of like ice cream. Sometimes you're just in the mood for plain vanilla. Other times it's like I need I have this urge for chocolate chip. Yeah, and and it's the same with pinball. That's why people have collections, right? That's why they like, you know it's hard to own just one pinball machine. When I I bought Indiana Jones a couple of years ago, um, it was my first kind of pinball machine, um, you know, as a, as an adult. And uh, I remember asking my wife, you know, are you okay if I just buy one pinball machine? She's like, sure. And everyone in the pinball community, I didn't know too many people back then. They all kind of laughed and they said, you know, this is the start. You'll you'll. <laughs> and That's I. Right. It, I, I I still remember the feeling of saying like, man, these people really don't know me. Like, I'm absolutely fine just getting one, um, and then it just grows into this crazy uh, crazy obsession. And and now I've got a podcast that you know I'm I'm interviewing you, and it just as I said, it's it snowballs, and it's an, an all encapsulating hobby. Where um, I mean, you're you're still into it now. I mean, what what gives you joy these days? It obviously you love talking about pinball, but you're still there, like what monthly or weekly playing in local tournaments, right? Oh yeah, no, I, I still compete, um, despite myself. Um, <laughs> no, hey, the skills have eroded. Um, the the flashes of brilliance are much less frequent and don't last as long as they used to. But uh, no, I mean, I I still enjoy it. I still play. You know, I have uh, twenty five machines at home. Um, 
So I, I still play here in the house. And yes, I'm I'm in the Chicago Pinball League, and we have Level 257, the Selfie League that I support. And yeah. any events that are in relative proximity, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough where uh, I've been invited to uh, some various uh, events yeah. outside of here, Louisville and got uh texas you're not, you're not coming down Germany. to australia anytime anytime soon roger uh that was a bitch of a flight uh zachary <laughs> zachary went to macquarie for uh college for uh for a year and that 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 was a killer i gotta yeah. tell you but uh <laughs> no but but, I, but i've been fortunate enough to you know to be able to go out and and play and and have some accessibility to to games and yeah i still enjoy it i still enjoy the camaraderie you know, Josh just called me today asking about Pin Masters in Las Vegas in March, which is going to happen right after the amusement game show. And it's like, did you want to play? I said, well, <laughs> sure. What time do you want to play? It's, we have two times set up. It's either 10 o'clock in the morning or 3 in the afternoon. I'll do the 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's those kinds of things that uh, I enjoy doing. And more importantly, my wife, Ellen, has gotten into playing in the selfie league. So yeah. she gets to be part of it. And, you know, it gives me a chance to stay somewhat connected and involved with my sons who are uh, reasonably close by uh, just geographically. Yeah. But, you know, normally you don't have a chance as a grown up old person to really have time with your children who figure that that's only for holidays and maybe a Sunday night call. So it's it's nice to know that my sons don't have uh, an issue or a problem having me around. No, you're, you're definitely blessed with with them embracing the the hobby, and I, I'm guessing you probably never thought they would embrace it in in such a not an aggressive manner, but you know, like they're they're, they're so involved with it, yeah, in such a yeah, fashion. No, so I, I never thought that it would be this much a part of my life. So yeah. uh, the fact that they have embraced it to to your point. Uh, is very gratifying. I was I was talking to Josh a couple of days ago and, and just said, "Hey, we're thinking about interviewing uh, your dad," and and uh, that's how I got your email address. <laughs> so, um, and uh, I was joking and he about said, how. Don't do it! Don't do it! <laughs> <laughs> Don't he said he it. said he he does he just like rambles. To, he does like to talk. Um, <laughs> And uh, and we kind of made some jokes about how you know like I every interview with you um, is you know mainly about that that romantic story about you know the shot to save pinball and and I kind of said well you know has anyone ever asked him like what if what if you had like three house balls and and you know is is, is pinball then uh, you know like banned banned forever That's right. and and he was like he says you don't understand like you know my dad's a, a decent player now but back then he was like keith alwyn man like he was unstoppable <laughs> he was he was the world's best meal player there was no way he wasn't going to make those shots so um yeah, it was a nice yeah and uh, my, my last as, question as, I guess. Somebody, as, some, as somebody said i'll just put this in in context uh because in all honesty it, it is difficult number one growing older yeah. Uh, you folks will feel that in another 60 or 70 years when you get <laughs> to be my age. But, um, you know, there, there's a level of pride that I do have still, yeah. kind of, uh, when it comes to playing pinball. Um, and 
it's it's difficult. It's difficult to to remember how I was. And somebody said something that was very very nice to me, um, and it really took home. Um, and and whether or not this makes sense for anybody listening, uh, I don't know if they have familiarity with uh, a basketball player by the name of Michael Jordan. But yeah. uh, Michael Jordan was uh, truly a remarkable player, and for many, he was the best basketball player ever. And taking nothing away from LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and others from the NBA. Uh, and this person said to me, he said, look, Michael Jordan may not be able to dunk anymore, but at one point in time, he could sky like anybody's business. He said, it's the same as you. Yeah. And it was like, thank you. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. At least, you know, I do have the fact that at one point in time, I was incredibly good. And now I am just ancient and, as I said, the infrequency of those moments are just stunning to me. But uh, every once in a while, I can pull out a surprise. But as, yeah, long, as long as you're I still, am. as long as you're still having fun, um, I say I think everyone. I um, you know, your death. We're talking about like you know, you're in your deathbed or something. I mean, like, but you know, people people are going to remember you for um, you know, in decades to come as as you know. Uh, the guy who saved Pinball, but also you know this amazing story of your career and and uh, the legacy you've left with with your two children. And yeah, another joke I was, I was talking about with Josh is kind of like how awkward it might be at, at the dinner table these days with uh you know with Zach sitting on one end and and you on the other end, basically having uh, competing jobs, one at Stern and uh, one working for um for other companies. And you know, do, do you still get to talk about work at the dinner table? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Every once in a while, there may be a question that kind of comes up, but uh, we we know to keep hands off. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned it. Um, I never brought work home okay. uh, at, at Williams Valley Midway. Uh, yeah. I never really shared anything with the boys. They, you know, they would find out about it when everybody else did. You know, there's a game out on test. It's over at Just for Fun, which is across the way from where we are here. Dad, you know, we want to go over and play, you know, that new game. Um, yeah. whether it was a video game or a pinball machine or whatever. Uh, so it really doesn't come up too often. I, I do do a lot of work with Josh, if he mentioned it or not, on behalf of Raw Thrills yeah. for their video games and, and doing licensing for them. And I don't probe or ask questions in terms mm-hmm. of Zachary and what he's doing. I find <laughs> it interesting in terms of Zachary specifically that, you know, he's the director of marketing, I think is his title. And that was my title starting out at uh, Williams back in 1988. So uh, I guess the uh, the acorn doesn't fall that far from the tree. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I am incredibly proud of both of them and what they've been able to accomplish. And I think with Zachary, because admittedly it's closer to home with pinball, I think what he's been able to do uh, to, to really kind of advance the cause on behalf of Stern, the Stern Army, uh, and all the other initiatives – uh, I think it's fantastic. In, in some ways, I guess vicariously, I can live through whatever they're accomplishing and achieving and knowing that, yes, I had a small little part in it. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to uh, hear about your next venture, um, Sharp Family Pinball Company, coming up uh, at <laughs> TPF next yeah, year. Right. Sharp, sharp Root Pinball. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, Roger, it's uh, it's been great talking to you. Um, if you've noticed, Marty uh, hasn't said anything in, in an hour. He had to he had to go. He didn't want to be rude and, and interrupt your your train of thought um, an hour ago. But um, something came up, uh-huh. and he just had to drop off the line. 
but um, we really appreciate from the bottom of our heart um, taking time out of your day. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I've still got like 15 other questions I can ask you, but maybe we should leave it to a, to another time because uh, we have been going for about two and a half hours. So, so just want to thank yeah, you for coming really? on the show. God, yeah. I thought we'd only be going for about five or 10 minutes. Look at that. <laughs> we can that's definitely the, do this again. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a blast. I appreciate yeah. you guys helping me sink in with uh, Skype and yeah. headphones and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have absolutely totally enjoyed this. I, I don't know if it's, uh, all and everything that you would have wanted. And, uh, if there's something more better or different, uh, I am available. It's Marty messaged me, um, cause you know, he didn't want to, he can't obviously say it, but he messaged me on my phone 15 minutes in the conversation saying, uh, oh, my gosh, I could listen to this forever. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the soothing Roger Sharp voice, so, you know, talking about the memories of him also. Um, once again, Roger, thanks very much. Hey, Ryan, my pleasure. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we'll be talking with you again and maybe see you one of these days. Yeah, I was sitting right behind you at the uh, Chicago Pinball Expo when when Dalden was revealed, and I was I was looking at you nodding your head when when Jack was talking, but you know I was I was I was too shy, you know, to introduce myself, and and I oh, didn't get please. a photo with you or anything. But next uh, next time, I'll make sure that we uh, have a beer together and, and share some laughs. You're on. Are you coming in for Expo this year? I, I asked my wife the other day because I went to, to Texas Pinball Festival this year and, and she just looked at because me with I the know look. The answer and, now. Yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> look said it all. The look said it all. So may, maybe next year. <laughs> well, and what winds up happening for me, I mean, just yep. to share with you, is uh, Ellen, my wife. And it's like, so um, I'm going to go to Atlanta. Want to yep. come? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? You can play pinball and stuff and you can sit in and I'm supposed to talk. <laughs> Come on, I mean this will be fun. And she has gotten into it. And you know, she played in a tournament, her first tournament, and she almost qualified in the top eight. The last player on the last ball uh beat her out, and it was suddenly she was hooked, and it's like, all right, where are we going next? And you know, we, we just went to Rocky Mountain and Ellen played in that tournament and had fun. So it gives us a chance to kind of go around and about. And she said we never go anywhere. I said, well, come on, we're we're going to go to these various get things together, one hundred percent. So uh, it's uh, I think the, the, that, uh, the only Ryan, hurdle for me. The, <laughs> the only hurdle for me is I've got a, I've got a seven year old and a three year old. So uh, you know, we oh, did, good. we did. It's a family adventure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we we tested it out this year with Japan, and you know, with mixed successes. It's 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 hard with the younger kids lugging them around. But maybe when they're a bit older, um, you know, I'll I'll do it as a family trip. <laughs> No, 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 no. Trust me. Look, you, you talk, you just mentioned you talked to Josh recently. Yeah. You know, yeah. Josh is falling down the rankings. Why? It's Colin <laughs> and Charlotte. Zachary's yeah. not number one anymore. Yeah. He's Benson now. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. He's not going to go traveling around the various pinball tournaments and events. So what, what are you, what are you saying okay. to the pinball? So for pinball to survive, Roger, we have to, no one has to have kids, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I, I'm saying is that everybody has to have pinball around so that small little children like Colin and Charlotte can play when their arms are wide enough to reach. And yeah. suddenly it's like a whole new generation starting. So we got to get pinball machines into preschools. I think, that's the, <laughs> I think that's the next step. Once we do that, I mean, all bets are off. Suddenly you can't ramp up production fast enough. <laughs> Make it a subject <laughs> <to> school. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
You're back, Martin. I am back. Okay. Oh. Do you want to go for another hour with uh, with Roger? Because I got to go. Absolutely. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> uh, he's going to start a company called Sharp Root Pinball. Uh... <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right. So I will I will share uh, two things with you that may or may not have been ever revealed by me before. One, uh, I came really close to buying uh, Premier. When wow. they were uh, going out of business, uh, got a group of uh, folks behind me who were willing to fund it. And unfortunately, looking at the balance sheet and everything else, uh, the determination was that there was no way in heck that it was going to be a good investment. So we walked away from it. When uh, when Williams Bally shut down Pinball, I absolutely talked because I was still working at the company. Uh, absolutely approached them to see if I could buy the assets and take over the company. And uh, at that point in time, uh, there was not a desire to sell the company. If you look back historically at things, uh, it was better to be done as a tax write-off, which is why subsequently uh, Gene wound up picking up bits and pieces, replacement parts and what have you, as did uh, Wayne. Wayne. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately they didn't take my offer seriously. Uh, so I had two chances to potentially take over pinball companies and effectively run them the way I think that they could have and should have been run. But now, now I'm just too old to be thinking <laughs> of any of those things. So the Dude. sharp pinball thing will have to be either Josh and Zach or <laughs> Colin. Dude. How how um how different do you think your life would have been if say Williams took your offer up and and you were able to you know re- resurrect that company? Do you do you think? Oh wow! You know, Pinball would have been totally different. Are you kidding? Yeah. All the things that we've been talking about and all the things that I have shared over the years, uh, infrequently at best, when people want to actually listen to me uh, and ask questions, uh, I would have put I, I guess more importantly my money where my mouth is. Uh, I would have done the things that we've been talking about. I would have done outreach. I would have looked at new markets. I would have kept things out there and visible. Look, uh, I, I will share with you that uh, back in 1988, if you look at where the awareness of the industry was, pinball specifically, but, but the entire coin-operated amusement game industry didn't exist. Everybody kept their heads down doing business, uh, trade advertising in, in the industry trades, trade shows, nothing directed to consumers. Uh, I came on board and suddenly everything changed. 1989, it took me nine months to get my first placement in a newspaper called the Milwaukee Journal. And after that, God, almost on a weekly basis, we had a, a news crew in to the factory doing features, local news, national news, Time Magazine, uh, the Smithsonian, Life Magazine, you know, uh, being on a Today Show with Brian Gumbel. Uh, the list goes on and on. Increasing the visibility, you know, what Steve and I were able to do with Papa, having Lyman Sheets standing out in Times Square in the, in the rain in February because he had just been, you know, crowned the champion for Papa, whatever number it was, two or three. Uh, going out there and being visible, and not just personally, but doing it in terms of supporting uh, 
and elevating uh, the stature of, of pinball and of the industry itself. If you take a look at what the media is that we've been able to do over the past 10 plus years on behalf of the IFPA, it's been nothing short of remarkable on a local as well as an international level. So I, I think that, uh, yeah, if I had had a chance to, uh, to take over either of those companies, uh, I think that my life would have been totally different. I think that the uh, fortunes of pinball uh, would have been totally different as well. Not saying necessarily better, I like to think better. But do you look back and regret that you didn't do it or are you just happy with how your life's been anyway? Uh, no, I'm happy. Look, uh, I, I feel that there is a, a purpose for all of us and we follow a particular path. Uh, my path was not meant to be overseeing a pinball company back then. So I'm, I'm happy with, with everything. I'm, I'm disappointed, in all honesty, by... Uh, the period of time where I don't think that there was enough going on to uh, popularize pinball, it kind of went into a, a period of some dormancy, but I am gratified by seeing it having this upsurge uh, for whatever the reasons are. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, do I think about it? No, I just mentioned it to you. And uh, when I mention it to you, that's when my mind kind of lingers for a while thinking, hmm. God, I wonder how I would have done that or what would have happened. And uh, it's it's great to kind of consider things, but... Uh, well, as you know, you know, Gary, Gary Stern went through some hard times. You know, would you have wanted to have gone through the bad to get to the good? I, I don't think I would have ever had bad. Yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I'm just, you know... I, I think I would have built off of the success that had already been generated. And look, my background is unique and different because I didn't come from pinball. You know, my, my background, I think everybody knows this, you know, I came out of the world of advertising. I came out of the world of publishing magazines and books. I, I had a totally different approach, a totally different mindset coming into what had been a very, uh, insular industry and kind of turned it on its head and, and what I'd like to believe is a positive way uh, and, and I think that taking those disciplines uh, and those experiences and bringing them into a situation where you're overseeing a company where you have an affinity for whatever the product line is I think it allows for some dynamic opportunities to be pursued so I, I think that, you know, the, the downside, if you will, from 1999, there wasn't really a downside. Uh, I think that there was just a question of being able to pick that gauntlet up. And prior to that, talking about Premier, which would have been about four or five years earlier, I would have ridden the crest of that and turned it into something totally different. So, again, no regrets, no second thoughts. Uh, but it's always nice to kind of consider the what have, might have, could have been. Yeah, fair enough. What I, well, I mean, you said you're too old to, to do it now, but, you know, would you – obviously, you're very knowledgeable in the, in the pinball industry, and we talked before about, you know, mergers and acquisitions and, and where the market's kind of heading in the next couple of years. Would you uh, 
consider partnering up with with someone that is in need of of guidance or or a new startup that that wants to take the direction that um and doesn't necessarily know how to or, or do you think that you're comfortable in the position you're in in the pinball industry uh i would consider almost any opportunity if it was viable sincere and made sense okay so i don't i don't rule anything out i mean look full-time I'm the director of brand licensing for every uh, major slot machine company that is really surging in that marketplace. Sharp Communications, my own personal company, uh, is a creative services company that uh, provides a range of services for a variety of different clients, some in the coin-operated amusement game industry uh, and others external of that industry. So... Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, if there was ever a call or a need, I consider it. And, you know, years ago, I looked at opening up my own locations and actually partnering with Steve Epstein. And that just didn't come about for a variety of reasons. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are things, and I'm sure that you folks have gone through it. I don't know what either of you do on, on a daily basis in terms of your real world, but uh, there are times where you wind up saying, hey, I have this opportunity to pursue this. I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to add this to what it is that I do. I mean, Josh used to joke that I was uh, semi-retired. And it's like, yeah, I'm semi-retired when I go to sleep. <laughs> I have two full-time I have two full-time careers. I don't have enough time to go out and play golf. So it is what it is. Okay. All I'm hearing, Ryan, is that um, when we do start up our pinball company, uh, Roger's going to finance it. That's that's what I got. There you go. Is pinball. Okay. Is what we're going to call it. There you go. I like it. (laughs) Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, mate. I'm going to let you go to your day and uh, look forward to, uh, you know, maybe doing this again when, uh, you know, you have uh, a few more hours (laughs) free. Look, uh, the, the, the the big thing for me. The big thing for me, and I know that Josh jokes about it, so does Zach, because they, you know, it's like, God, my dad just talks forever. It's so freaking terrible. But, you know, when I started in advertising, I used to speak in headlines and bullets. When I moved into publishing, I started speaking in paragraphs. Now, <laughs> I tend to speak in uh, chapters. So, <laughs> my apologies. I know that it's kind of like reading a, a legal contract where there's a lot of whereases. And we're two fours, and it's a single sentence that runs for 12 pages. Um, that's, that's just become big. No, but, it's great. Uh, I've enjoyed this, and hopefully, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it as yeah, well. Yeah, it's been great. And we've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, and it m- may sound a bit, you know, over the top, but, you know, when we started doing the podcast, um, when we started you know, interviewing people, this was always one of the big ones that we wanted to do because you have such a rich history in this and I, I, your your opinions are still really valid and I think people should be taking your advice. Well, shucks. Thank you. And more importantly, you got to me while I'm still alive. Just think of the long-distance connection that it would have been <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> awesome. All right, Roger. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Gentlemen. Appreciate it. I I love it. You guys take care. Don't be strangers now that we know how to connect. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Be well. See ya. Bye. 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 So there we go, Ryan. Roger Sharp Part 2. 
What do we learn during the second part? He could have saved Pimble twice. Could have. Twice. Well, mm, I don't know whether buying Premier would have saved (laughs) anything. It means that that Josh and Zach Sharp would have had to go to, like, you know, like public public schools and and (laughs) wear hand-me-down clothes for the rest of their life. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So... You know what? At, at least by not doing it, we'll never know, and he will stay a legend. We'll never know, but I mean, it really kind of got me thinking that that would, you know, this might not be like big to someone else, but everyone always kind of talks about it, right? Like, what if, what if Williams didn't close down? Why did they close down? Why were they so interested in freaking slot machines? You know, how boring. How boring that they make billions and billions of dollars well, versus the thing. The sl- that, the thing I guess that was new to me was that. You know, we'd, well, I'd been told, and maybe other people were told differently. I was just told, nah, they just shut it down, didn't want to do anything with it, just shut it down. Well, there was actually an opportunity to continue with the pinball division. Well, not continue. I mean, Roger Sharp wanted to, to own it, I guess. So um, it's just you're either going to, yeah, sell the rights and or sell them off to somebody, but. Who knows? Maybe they've made more money over the years um, licensing stuff because they, I guess, people still need uh, approval from certain things um, from them. Like they, they still retain something, right? I would say so. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, the Beatles in- information was pretty interesting as well. Um, I mean, the fact that the Beatles now would kind of seem like a good license because we're in that era of making bands, pinball machines, and the nostalgic pinball machines. But back in the nineties, the dude in marketing at Williams was like. Fuck no! Let's do Dirty Harry instead. Let's let's do Junkyards. Let's not do the Beatles. Let's do Junkyards, and that, and that was a good decision, apparently. Yeah, I reckon Beatles would have been better back then. Yeah. Back in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of. I don't know. When did when did John Lennon die? Ages ago, right? Oh, ages ago. Okay, like in his prime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. That, that was it. That's it. So, yeah. thank you again, Roger, for coming on. Uh, that was really good. News of the week, Marty. Um, Monster Bash Bombs, an anonymous throwaway account on Pinside. Um, I'm pretty sure this is Mr. Non-Disclosure Agreement Ned that we've had on the show. Right, he, yes. Because uh, he's got everything. Yep. Um, he posted up a picture of the Monster Bash remake topper. Yes. And it was it was glorious. It was it was taken with a potato, the picture. Yeah. Um, so it was very nice and clear. Um. And that kind of got around, and within 24 hours, uh, CGC posted a proper photo. And yeah. isn't it amazing what a difference kind of a leaked photo makes compared to a I know. A, a professional photo? When you see the professional photo, you're kind of like, yeah, like, that does kind of look so, nice. So this, so this is the thing. What they actually did, like, because somebody posted up there and they're like, oh, well, it's out there now. We'll have to post the real thing. You know what we should do? Just leak the entire fucking thing. Just post any old random crap and hope that one of them's true, and then they'll go, oh, well, that's true. We better now post the real thing. Someone should just post a blurry picture of their Monster Bash because Monster Bash remake yes. is, is exactly the same. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> is it? I don't know. I don't know. Um, they're still getting approval, right? Um, yeah, it's it's something is not approved yet. Otherwise, they would have launched it by now. And it, it is crazy to think that Texas Pinball Festival is when that was in March seven months ago was yeah. when they were meant to show it so 
will we see it by Expo? I hope so. I don't know. I mean, you know, again, they have to. They have to. Right. It's one of those things where you know we did talk to um, Roger about licensing, and you know, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, sometimes. It seems easy, and I know that this was something that um, Jack, Jersey Jack, has said in the past. Is sometimes a, a license on paper looks like you've got everything, but all of a sudden there's one thing that you didn't quite get, and that can really hold things up. So they they're right at the destination, but there's obviously something that's holding it up. So who knows what yeah. it is? Moving on to Deep Root. So yes. this week in Pinball, Jeffrey, um, Jeff number two, I think it is, um, out of seven. Out of seven, yeah. He is the guy who was lucky enough to go on a deep root pinball tour. Mm-hmm. Now, did you read the article, Marty? I did. All right. So, let, let's just kind of um, sift through it. So, one of the biggest pointers I got from it was that the deep root facility has many curved walls and interesting shaped rooms. Yep. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yep. Uh, the deep root cabinet, not including the head, looks similar to a standard Bally Williams cabinet. Yep. So, okay, so he's ex- purposely excluding the head. So something on this pinball machine is different in the head. Now, will it be different like American Pinball's uh, Houdini head, where it's just like a different shaped curve? Curve thing, yeah. Or it, will it be like Pinball 2000, where it's projecting stuff onto the play field? Or will it have a full-size screen in the back? Yeah. Or will there be no head? Will it just be a table of sorts? Because oh, do, do like, you really need... Like a cocktail pin? Well, think <laughs> think about um, Magic Girl. The, the cabinet on Magic Girl was so deep that you could fit... I mean, I don't think John Papadook thought it through because half the mechs block the LCD screen. But the idea is there. And he, he actually patented the idea. Um yeah, I don't know. Like mm. Circus Voltaire had it in there, and it's not blocked by anything. Mm. Will we see? That would look that would look so weird, though. I don't, I think pe- pinball people would, would reject that. Mm. Okay. What else did we learn, Manny? Well, they they apparently they had a party in the break room celebrating landing a major license, and in brackets he says teaser. The license is an '80s movie. Many people have been craving, so it definitely can't be Goonies because. Many people haven't been craving that. But, but many people have, Marty. Mm, a couple. Could, could, could it be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Marty? Well, again, it did say many people have been craving, so... Could it be Big Trouble in Little China, Marty? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's definitely not that if it says many people have been craving. Back to the future. That's probably more like it. The um, uh, Jeff dropped in. Obviously, Jeff knows what it is. Um, Jeff dropped into the thread and kind of said, "Yeah, yeah, kind of." You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but yeah, it might be that, or you know, yippee ki yay, see you next time. So, does does he want people to think that it's it's um, diehard? That that would be cool. That was in the 80s, right? Yeah, I think 85, 80, 88, yeah, or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. People have been craving that. So, look, I've 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 actually got diehard downloaded, ready to watch. I still haven't brought myself to watch I thought it. You, you watched You told me you watched it. No, nah, that was something else. I can't remember what that was. But I, even though I don't, I've never seen it, I know enough about it to know that I reckon it would make a good pin. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Sure. Hans Gruber. Yep. So. Um, mate, the top 
three uh, 1980s movies of all time that don't have pinball machines. And yes. you'd be surprised if you look it up. Like, I think uh, like 12 of the top 15 are covered. And and they include a lot of Star Wars movies and Ghostbusters right, and okay. um, Indiana Jones that kind of are all encompassed in, in like one pin. Yeah. But um, the top three movies, the actual, the number one grossing movie of the 80s, full stop, is E.T., there hasn't been an ET pinball. I think mm. we make a horrible pinball. Yeah, machine. I agree. <laughs> because no one cares about ET anymore. He kind of looks. It doesn't. It didn't really. I don't know. Didn't become a cult classic, did it? No. Um, Beverly Hills Cop at number two. What do you think? Um. No. Okay. And n- number three. I mean, and, and this is like fifteenth on the list or something because it said they were all kind of taken. Top Gun. I reckon Top Gun would actually make a. Yeah. Because pe- people, I think, think back on Top Gun in a fun way, right? Versus yeah. ET. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, again, I, I've never seen that film. Oh, Marty, <laughs> you're so useless when it comes to movies. I've never God seen Top Gun. Remember, I at the. The the really sort of popular movies. I'm I'm the anti popular movie guy. I'm the one that goes. But even mm-hmm. but even back in the day. And they they were on like Channel Ten on like repeat every anyway. We've got, we've already had this conversation before. Um, did you notice this bit, Marty? As we continued the tour, we walked into the break room, and there was an item on the floor. This item was part of ex- of an experiment to make shipping and handling of pinball machines easier. What does that mean? Does that mean like something to to lift pinball machines, or is is he talking about? A screwdriver on the floor because you have to build your own pinball machine like like IKEA. Yeah, it could be. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, he also ventured into the programming and product development room, and apparently the the room was dimly lit, Marty. Um, just oh. and that proves that programmers are just like like Gollum, lurking in the darkness, mm. just black light. Do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's deep root. Yeah. Okay. So. That's kind of cool. Um, I think what the other thing I noticed as well, he was saying that um, he saw the underneath of a play field and it was interesting that there was very little soldering and unique boards and individual LED boards and all that kind of stuff. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, that, that exists on C- CGC and stuff. Yeah. I guess yeah. it does. I, mean, I guess what we're what I'm trying to find out is, you know, what this quad assembly is all about, and whether they've been able to reduce the number of moving repart- moving parts required to build a machine. For sure, and uh, is it the biggest unknown? Which you know we'll talk about in further detail. I guess when they show their pinball machines, is you know, will they be able to actually make them? And not make one or two, because obviously they've already assembled a pinball machine. They've got various whitewoods in, in various stages. But manufacturing, as, as Gary Stern said a million times, you know, we're, we're not a pinball company. We we make stuff. It just happens to be pinball machines. Um, so will they be able to figure out the key to un- unlocking the mystery behind making pinball machines? Because Jersey Jack, how, how many... Pirates of the Caribbean have been delivered, and and they announced that uh, eleven and a half months ago. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe less than a hundred or so, and, and obviously it's, that's going to ramp up, and they're they're ready now. But there was a, a a period of a year there where, you know, the ball wasn't really rolling. Mm, I see what you did so, there. Okay, that was an unintentional. What did I do? <laughs> the ball wasn't rolling, like the pinball. 
Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, unintentional. Yeah, no, I didn't say it was actually good, so we didn't actually really (laughs) need to um, read it out again. But um, yeah, there you go. So deep breath. So talking about people that are trying to figure out how to manufacture pinball machines, uh, American Pinball. Yes. Yes, there was an interview with special. Yeah. Yeah. Did you listen to it, Marty? I actually did listen to this. It was a great interview. Um, He's the the head of sales and marketing, and just came across as a really cool guy. I just, I don't know. I like him. I wanted, I wanted to have a beer or a gin, gin and tonic with him. He just seemed like a cool guy. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of good information in that um, interview. It wasn't a super long interview, but it was kind of jam-packed full of info. So one of the bits of information that he, he let rip was the possibility of a limited run of Oktoberfest pinball machines every year, as in, For you October. Know, yeah, so... <laughs> he did know. He, what he said was, you know, there was this idea someone came up with. He didn't say they were going to do it. It was just sort of saying, you know, that was kind of an idea that somebody thought about. I hope they stopped that thought. Well, if it, 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 if it was like Stern or something, making like a Christmas pin every year, Oktoberfest, it might work for them because they've got so much stuff going on. It's like, this is your year. This is your, your chance to grab one of 100 pinball machines. And there would be this kind of this exclusive club that would grow every year. But for someone like American Pinball that, that only have Houdini to ship at the moment, um, yeah, probably not the best idea. The other bit of inter- interesting information was that they have kind of set themselves up to possibly be supplying and manufacturing pinballs for other people. Did you get that bit? Yeah, I did. Like a lot of – and they, they didn't obviously say who it was, but they were pretty much saying everybody gets their stuff from them. Yes, so they, they, they supply, well, they supply, well, they, did, they did mention Stern, and, and that's how they got into business, right? So that they were supplying Stern with uh, like light boards or, or something, some, some electronic part in pinball machines, and they, they thought, hey, this is pinball, like I wonder how many they're going to order, and they were just ordering so many that I guess they were able to figure out the amount of pinball machines that they, <laughs> Stern was moving. So like, okay, let's, let's enter this space because this is obviously a, uh, a bigger industry than we thought. Hmm. So, um, but yeah, sorry, the bit I was trying to get to is that they want to also manufacture pinball machines for, I guess, the homebrew. Yeah. Yes. You just come up with a design on a napkin, take it to them, they'll build your machine. (laughs) There you go. Jack Danger, there's somebody that'll build your machine. (laughs) I don't think Sam will be too happy about that. No, I know. Obviously, why? Yeah, I I mean, I'd love to know what you know uh, not that i'd be interested in it because i i know like 0% of what it takes to build a pinball machine but i wonder how much inf- how, how much do you actually need to give it to them and say i want to make this is it a matter of dragging and dropping pop ups into the playfield marty well it could be but what they said is they've got enough people there with talent to take over from whichever part you've stopped so if you have just designed a a play field and all that kind of stuff, they'll then get the engineers and all that kind of stuff to work out the rest. That's what they said. They said, so if you want to go in there with everything, that's fine, they'll manufacture it. But if you want to go in there with any sort of level back to just, I've drawn something on a, on a napkin, they'll do the rest. It's funny because there's there's a lot of a pinball machine which is kind of uh, off-the-shelf parts. And I guess the non-off-the-shelf parts are the, the unique mechs, um, Obviously, you have to print the play field, but I mean, anyone can kind of do that if they have the, the right setup. Uh, the ball guides, I guess they're different. And then obviously the LCD animations and the rules. 
but besides that i mean well one of the, one of the things that i've i've grown to appreciate after speaking to to some designers is it's not just about you know opening up cad putting a blank you know playfield down there and just throwing every fucking thing you want mechanically it's all got to actually be able to work underneath the playfield as well so you know that that's probably going to be one of the areas where they look at it and go yeah your, your design looks pretty and i love the 15 ramps that you've got and the, <laughs> the three subways that you've got and all that kind of stuff however this is actually fiction this doesn't work maybe this needs to be a pinball fx machine you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I think people will go crazy and just put all this stuff, but they've actually got to be able to make that stuff work and make it work reliably and then put it onto a production line. Yeah. So, I don't know. Also, some, some information. Like we're getting drip-fed information about Oktoberfest and, and all will, will be revealed at Expo in a couple of weeks. Uh, that the, the fat German dude on the play field that, that Joe Bolsa showed was the bartender. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I guess he. I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be in a mode or if he's like your guide, like, like the, the one guy or something. Meh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they did. They did say that you know, beer isn't going to be what this machine's all about. It's actually going to be about you know the whole festival and other things that happen. So you know, maybe that's just. But who better to guide you through than like a, a fat German bartender? Yeah, just, fair enough. Just talking to you the entire time. No, it so I'll, I'll, you know, let's talk about. Houdini, and I'm not just bringing up Houdini because I'm going to talk about the fact that my voice is in it again. But, you know, you've got all those different um, modes that you do via the stage. But, you know, you've also got the the jail modes, like the escape from jail modes, like escape from Sydney jail and, and all that kind of stuff. So you could actually have all these modes, but you've actually then just got these bar modes, for example, mm-hmm. and the bartender could be talking you through those. Okay. That's, that's just what I think. Um, yeah. One of the things he also talked about was a food frenzy mode. Do you think that'd be like a food fight? Or do you think that'd be like eating as much food as you can? Who knows? It could be. It could be one of those. If it's frenzy, it sounds like a switch hit and food's just going to be flying everywhere. <laughs> um, and lastly... The big one. Yes, the big one. Uh, there will be a third flipper button and not... And and not as in a button to control the third upper flipper, which we uh, which we got a tidbit of when we did the Josh Coogley interview. This is more like a, a button that will be diverting, I believe, a, a ramp from one way to another, kind of like the shadow, right? The shadow, right? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I, that's I, cool, I like right? that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I'm more excited about Oktoberfest than anything else that's going to be shown at Expo. Okay. Even more excited than the Beatles. Well, we don't know for sure if that's no, going to be we there. Don't. Yeah, no. but segue. I know. Do you like that? Yes, that was a very good segue. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, we got some information about two weeks ago about Beatles, and we did a little podcast about it, like a ten-minute segment, and we decided not to air it because you know the information wasn't because public I, because I thought it was bullshit. Is really the the summary of it. Like we were very well, excited. You were very excited. I kind of went, yeah. I'm just not sure whether it's true. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's a plus we didn't. It wasn't public, saying so we didn't want to be the people to to say information. We always do that. We are no, those well, guys. I, well, I didn't. Anyway, <laughs> the information is now out there in in some form on on Pinside, so we we can talk about it. So th- there is like, a, it's not a rumor that that Beatles is the next pinball machine that you know it's going to leapfrog over over Munsters. Nobody knows that but a small group of people at Stern, and I'm guessing they have the power to, to pull the trigger and, and pull back at any moment. You know, they, they could say, yes, we plan on going to Expo, and at the last minute they say, no, let's reveal this pinball machine two weeks after Expo. Yep. So nobody, it's, it's going to be anyone's guess if, uh, if a pinball machine is going to be there by Stern. Now, the reason why we're talking about Beatles is there's been a lot of pricing rumors that just mm-hmm. uh, just starting to come out, and... I guess the reason why maybe the price has started to come out is that Stern might be talking now to distributors. Distributors might be then talking to their best customers because they're trying to say, hey, you Would need you to start saving one? up money. Yep. Would you buy one? Because I, I need to know. Because, I mean, we talked about it with uh, when we did our interview with AMD. Um, they need to kind of commit yes. before the pinball machine is announced. So for a game like Guardians of the Galaxy, it might be a little bit easier. But for a game like Beatles, that might fetch a higher price tag and you get into the Super right, LE come range. On, come on, Ryan. What do we know? <laughs> Everyone wants to know. Like, we're just talking bullshit. What do they want to know? How much is this thing going to cost? Because we put this on our Patreon page. We went out there. You said what it was. What's the price, Ryan? Um, where do you mean to start from? Do you want to start? Because I've, cause no, I've, I I've got you, the other... I want you to say. So, isn't there like a, um, a silver, gold, okay. and platinum edition? So- yeah, that's actually changed. It's the diamond version is the top one, okay. right? Because I think di- diamond sales for albums is more than, than platinum. Okay. So diamond is the top, um, platinum is the second, and gold. So it, no one gets silver, okay? Because silver is shit. It's go- everyone, yeah. you're, a, yeah. you're a winner no, ma- no matter how much yeah. money you spend. Yep. Okay. Apparently, the, the bottom end machine, right? Which yep. is still gold. You're yeah, still sure. going to feel very prestigious. Sure. Is about 1,960 something. Let's say 64 for argument's sake. That's how many there's going to be going to be for that. It's kind of like a premium model. What? Apparently, how is that? How much it's going to cost, or how much they're going to? Buy? How many units? How many units? Right. Okay. Yes. Uh, apparently, I, fifteen grand <laughs> US. Yeah, fifteen grand. That's okay. That's all right. People would pay for that, particularly. I, I don't. I don't know if that. I don't. I, no. These prices, as I said, I don't know if they're real, but everyone's saying them, so there must yeah, be some no. truth. I people would pay. I reckon these days people would pay fifteen grand for uh, a pinball machine that is exclusive. Now, there's. I don't. My understanding is, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is there going to be a forever on the line model or are these all no. they're all limited right so once they're once they're sold that's it they're gone so that pushes up the exclusivity which pushes up the price 15 grand sure why not I'd pay 15 grand for a, a new stern machine okay you wouldn't money but uh, let's keep on going no I wouldn't <laughs> um, the, well, the limited 13 grand Oh no, that was Australian. That was Australian. This is more like yeah, fifteen grand US, US. is more like twenty something. Okay, sure. Okay, so the uh, limited edition version, which is the the platinum version, yep. apparently is about twenty five thousand US dollars. That's that's getting up there. Yeah, and then there's the uh, diamond, diamond version, mm-hmm. which. Apparently, I heard 100 units, but who knows? As I said, the, all, and all these things could change as well, guys. Um, and and the the 
price can be bullshit. So what have we got? Okay, so we've got 15,000 US. We've even got 25,000 US. So I'm going to say this will be 35,000 US knowing what you're about to tell me. <laughs> we already did the podcast about it. Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. I got fifty thousand from two people, forty nine from someone else. So it, it you know rumors. It could be the same person spreading the same bullshit rumor and then it, it looks like it's coming from three sources, but it's all bullshit. Yeah. But it just it's weird, right? Yeah. It it also could be and this is a clever thing to do, it could be I know, th- and this also does go into the category of conspiracy theories, but maybe it is Stern, you know, g- testing the market, putting it out there as a rumour, seeing what comes back before they actually go, okay, well, this is our pricing. Yeah, they could they could have told 20 different people, um, 20 different pricing, and then when the podcast comes out and says, oh, it's $37.5 million, <laughs> oh, person B, you're burnt, your bridges burnt, are burnt. Right. Whenever. Yeah. Anyway, um, the the layout is now out there as as well. We didn't even mention our Patreon because I thought um, people don't need to know the the layout. It, that'd be nice if that was a surprise, right? Um, the layout is supposedly a tweak on the nineteen. I should know the year. It's the Stern Electronics game Sea Witch. Okay. Yeah. Sea Witch. Sea Witch has uh, three drop target banks, three pop bumpers, two spinners, four flippers. Um, it will have an LCD screen, apparently. Okay. Uh, uh, this is the weird thing, Marty. When you play Iron Maiden music, and I know you love Iron Maiden music, Marty. Mm, big fan. You, pl- you play the game long enough to cycle through at least one song. Sure. Or two yeah. or three. Yep. Sea Witch, I mean, my Sea Witch isn't that brutal, but the games aren't lasting that long. If, if my... If my See, which was new out of the box, it would play so brutal that I could, I think I could listen to about a one minute Beatles song each time I played it. So how, how is this going to be a Beatles pinball machine if it's based on what, what makes a game play long money? Well, you know, the Beatles, ball, Beatles being songs staged. were low. They were, they were short songs, Beatles songs. Yeah. How short though? Oh, some minutes. of them went for two minutes. These are the things, Marty, that make pinball games go long. Ramps. Yep. It takes a lot of the ball to return sure. to the flipper. Pop bumpers. Pop bumpers. Mm-hmm. Ball save. Yeah. Multi-ball. Yep. And the ball's being staged. Shoots. Shoots, yeah. There, there are no shoots on Sea Witch. The only place the ball can get staged is if you shoot under the flipper and it returns into the, the lane. It's a hard shot. Yep. Um, it's not going to happen. There's no multi-ball in the original Sea Witch, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't tweak it enough that it could have multi-ball. Yep. Um... Ball save, yeah, they can they can adjust that by software. It's it's kind of going to be weird. I mean, is is, is this going to be like a TNA type of game? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, see which is see which, but what if you put modern rules onto it? And what if you tweak it enough that you could repeat the loop over and over and over again, kind of like a uh, Iron Maiden? I don't know. Yeah, it could do. I don't know. It'd be one of those things where you have to see it. Um, the the real disconnect is. Even the gold version at 15,000 US for a single level playfield game, I, I don't know how people are going to respond to that. I, I really don't. Th- I mean, I can, you can pump the price at whatever you want for the super exclusive versions and whatever they have if Paul McCartney signed them or it's gold trim or something, whatever, right? But if you want to push 
almost 2,000 units or something. There's no way they could sell 15,000 of them, um, in, in my opinion. Um, so ma- maybe that As one is, you, is... They couldn't sell them for $15,000 is what you meant to say. They could sell a couple for fifteen thousand sure. dollars, but they're, they're, I don't think there's two thousand people out there that would spend fifteen grand on a Beatles pinball machine. Um, if if it was if it was maybe slightly above the pro price or the pros in in, in America, like well, here, five three. We don't know, right? Right. Let's talk about Supreme for a second. Yes. Right, and and I'm not doing a complete parallel, but I'm sort of going down into that collector mentality. What we really don't know is the the budget that these crazy Beatles fans have. They may actually have, you know, there's probably a lot of data on, you know, auctions and sales that have happened for Beatles merchandise for them to know that there might actually be a real market for this. And we as pinball folk look at this and go, does not make sense. But maybe there are a lot more collectors out there of Beatles merchandise that we know. I think the, the the cream and of you know the juice the the big money that they make of this is off the higher end models, and to move one thousand nine hundred and sixty something normal units, they just have to be at a lower price, and people say, okay, I'll buy it, um, you know, because it, if it does sell out, then you've got the collectible pinball machine, and so they'll they'll never make it again. There'll be no vault edition, there'll be no uh, remake further down, there'll be no reskinning, there'll be nothing. It's just, I mean, Joe Kamikow said it without saying Beatles on our podcast yeah. that, you know, buy one for yourself and buy an extra one because, you know, it might be worth something one day. I mean, that's obviously him, you know, putting his salesman hat on and but saying, it, buy, buy two people, you know. Two wasn't he also saying that it's this is the theme that all pinheads have wanted? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not according to Roger Sharp just and, and the 1997 release Yeah, right. <laughs> so just felt that that was the appropriate time to bring that up. We'll, we'll see. As I said, I mean, we're talking about it now, but we don't know if it's going to be shown, and we don't know what the what the price is. Um, but we, we do think it's the beat. Uh, it's Sea Witch. Oh, and the last thing is that this will be apparently the word on the street, Marty. Home use only. I had heard that as well. So no coin door. Well, a door, but not coin well, on it in it. Well, it might it might have a coin door with coin with a coin slot. But if you hook up a coin mech to it and try and put a coin in there, it'll say it, like it won't. It's on free play forever, and okay. there's, there's no will be no option in the menu to accept coins. Okay, which kind of would be very weird because has there ever been a pinball machine like that? Like you'll have to go into someone's house to play it or a bar if they want to be cool. Like say Sunshine Laundry Mat, which gets like every pinball machine, including Supreme. They- are they are they buying it and saying, hey, pay at the counter, otherwise we're gonna like kick you off the machine if you. Start. You couldn't man the pinball machine, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there, there have been home edition machines released in the past. And I, I, I honestly can't remember when they were, but they were around, I think they were in the 80s. And every once in a while, you'll see them come up on eBay or and people going, has anyone heard about this machine? One of them, I can't remember what it looks like, but it, it looks like it's got Tom Jones on the machine. I can't remember what it's called. And that they were a complete failure. But okay. I'm not saying these are different times, but yeah, I'm just letting you know that, yeah, they were home-only machines made. Okay. So, all right. They were well, toys. we'll see we'll see how it goes. I just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for any new pinball machine and, and regardless of, of what price it is and, and what they're doing, I just you know, want to play cool pinball machines. Yeah. Um, but I, I just... I, I, 
the, the shitstorm that will happen when it's announced. Um, well, re- regardless of you know the price and yeah, well, I mean, it's people complaining about Scott Denise's pinball machine. Oh, no fucking Rams! What a piece of shit. Did they? I don't know. Yeah, hundred like percent that. No, but but people have also again. It's one of those things, you know. It's not for everybody, but you know we and I'm really keen as well. I've been wanting Stern to revisit their old catalog, like the Stern Electronics catalog, for a long time. I'd love to see those old layouts modernised. For sure, and um, we've talked Just about it before as well. Grand. Just not <laughs> for three thousand dollars, please. Yeah, for sure. All right. Anyway, well, let's move on. Yeah, let's talk about the stern of the union money. What yes. did they give us? Um, there was a couple of things I took out of it uh, this time. Um, code, they say, KISS updates are currently in development with Ghostbusters still in line after the KISS release. Poor Ghostbusters, people. Um, KISS, though, w- will it be a, a KISS update as big as Aerosmith? Will it revolutionise KISS? Everyone that's had the last Aerosmith update has said it is phenomenal. Yep. I still think it's a shipping machine. <laughs> it's so boring. Okay. Um, this week in hashtag where's the topper. Um, the Star Wars topper is still waiting on final approval before production can begin. We'll make a formal announcement once it's available. Exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. May, can you hear this? Yes. What does that sound like, Marty? I, I don't, it sounds no, no, like no. critical hit cards. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that is the sound of Pimble Magazine number five. And let me tell you, Marty, I'm not sure if anyone has ever said this, but the Pimble Magazine, it, it's more like a book than a magazine, Marty. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. Yes? Okay. <laughs> so I got my uh, Pimble Magazine number five. I'm, I'm almost finished reading through the uh, one million pages it entails, and, and you'll get that very soon, so you can have a look through it. Yeah. Um, yes. It is huge, Marty. It is looks like about twice the size of my Pimmel magazine number four. Right, okay. and uh, I read the interview with uh, Scott Denisi, Jack Danger. I can't. I'm not into EMs, so I'm not going to lie. I mean, if I was into EMs, I would have just a massive heart on over this 200 and what is it? 260 pages or so on Wayne Nines. Um, wow. But unfortunately, I'm not into EMs. I'm not into EM, so I will save that for another day when I when my pinball adventure kind of ends with uh, with EMs. But wow, absolutely uh, amazing and astounding that that Mr. Jonathan Houston has gone through all the effort of of making that. It did, did take a very long time. We did have him on the show uh, almost a year ago, talking about him uh, just finishing it up. And uh, yeah, Wayne Nines is still alive and kicking it, man. He's 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 a hundred now. And he's got this book to kind of commemorate his uh, his life. So awesome. we will let me know when you link... finish reading it, and I'll I'll uh, have a read after you. Yeah. Um, when I was kind of flicking through Marty, there was this really weird ad, and I'm like, "What the f is this?" And I think I might have seen this before, but it didn't really uh, didn't really look into it. There is some Chinese company. We talked about the Battle Penny last week. Yes. Which is kind of like uh, like Joust. Two player pinball machine. This Chinese company that's that's got the the same thing. I can't find out here it I is. Know. I know, and do you know what? I know you you sent that to me during the week as well. That's been around for a while. I've seen that sometime now. Has anyone played it though? No, I don't know. But it's the the, the battle penny thread in Aussie Arcade has 
talked about it as well. So mm. it's been people have no, have known about it for some time. I just don't think anyone thought this was a head to head exclusive. No, <laughs> it's called Super Pinball Ping Pong Bar. Yep, and it, it is the it is the most Chinese written ad you've you've ever seen. It's full of Chinese isms. Yeah, like due to the advantages of cost-effective, highly efficient, and easy to use, we achieve the best feedback from end users. That's one of the selling bullet points. There's only love six it. bullet points. That's one of them. Anyway. Awesome. Love it. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> now, Mafia Pinball, that game. Yes. yes. Are we getting one? Yes, I'm buying one for us, Marty. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. I do know that, um, well, we're hoping to get one for uh, Flip Out at the end of the year. Yeah, Joe Joe Newhart got his and uh, and unboxed it and yeah, if it wasn't so expensive, Marty, I don't think people would be reacting the same way and maybe that's why I had that kind of violent reaction to it. So, we, how, how, how much is it US? Seven thousand five hundred US dollars. It's a single single level playfield. It doesn't really matter. If it's, and it's well, seven thousand US. It's half the price of a Beatles pin, right? Ah, you see where I'm go- you got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't think the, the, the an unbranded kind of mafia pinball is quite as powerful as the Beatles in terms no, of marketing. But, but yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, it, as it, we we hope to get one for flip out. I know that one has been ordered and it's on its way. Do you know what's weird, money? These new pinball machines. I, you know, I talked about it before with Deep Root. You know, when um, we said you don't really need the head. I don't know if people like seeing empty. Head boxes. I know Stern's head box is almost empty now as well. But like when you buy something that's so expensive and you open it up, like when you see, say, you know, like a, an old Williams game, and you see all these boards ever in these cables. I don't know. There's, there's two feelings for me. Oh wow, it's a lot of cables. I hope something doesn't stuff up. And the other one is like, oh wow, I kind of got my money's worth because <laughs> look, <laughs> look at all oh, the lights. And and you know when you think about. I mean, I was going to say one of the major criticisms of Highway, but let's just say it's not one of the major criticisms of Highway. But with the machine itself and its form factor, people really didn't like the back box, and I didn't like it either. It just, it just didn't seem like pinball. It, it kind of made it look like a toy. Yeah, people, people have OCD over this stuff, but it's, it's, it's for the you know to decrease the size is probably better for yeah. the overall. Uh, Anyway, yeah, there you go. I'm bored of this news. Let's t- let's go to social, social media, media watch. So done. We are so okay. lame. This is basically where we chuck all of our shit stories. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's what it's now turned yeah. into. It's, um, yeah, there's a business inside inside a video about Jack Danger and stuff. I can't remember. This was this was like five days ago. I put it in there. I can't even remember what it was. <laughs> God. I'm sorry. No, okay. It was, it was, this was a stern one, I guess. Ah, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I remember there was one where there was a, an, an, an Aussie chick over um, in the States. Ah, was, yes. And, I didn't put that in there. And yeah. they, apparently they said, one of the, the, the person that she was interviewing said, oh, you know, it's not like Australia where you're deprived of games. Mate, we have more games per capita here than you... <laughs> No. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk. About, I want to talk about this Castrol pin. Okay, money. do it. Does, does your does you, you're into cars, money? Do you like Castrol? Well, isn't Castrol an oil? Yeah. Right. So you're asking me, am I into oil? Yes, money. Yeah, of course I am. 
like a silly question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, this, there was this is a custom Bathurst. pin that was made, yeah. Yeah, so like Bathurst is on. It was on last weekend, which is this like car racing thing. I know nothing about. People, um, people that are into cars, people that are into, I guess, their V8s would know all about Bathurst, and it's pronounced yes. Bathurst, not Bathurst. I'm thirsty for or the bath. Bathurst. I, I don't, whatever. Bathurst, the, yes. the important thing is that there was a competition on, and there were two custom pinball machines made by a place in Australia, and uh, and the highest score of the weekends gets to keep one of these custom pinball machines. Now, when people think of custom pinball machines, they say, oh, well, it's just some crappy pinball machine that someone can get cheap, and they re-theme it, they change a couple of the sounds. This seems to be one or two steps further than that because apparently it's kind of like firepower. Yeah. But, but it has... Yes. What does it have extra money? Well, what I noticed from what I could see, it looked like a blurry picture, but you've got a left hole and um, where that is, they've actually put a flipper there to the mm-hmm. to the right of it. And also, over on the right-hand side, there's normally three stand-up targets and there's an additional bank there. Yeah. So it kind of looks like they've mashed a couple of, you know, Williams from the day machines together. So it kind of, in a, in a, in a way, it kind of reminds me of Flash. It also reminds me of Firepower. It's a bit of both. The thing is, um, you would think you could make those modifications without, uh, you know, and, and all the inserts would kind of be the same. Like you could just drill a couple of holes and add some mechs. Uh, all, the, all the inserts are in different spots as well, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's it's pretty much a custom pinball machine. <laughs> like, it's, it's, not, it's not a, I don't know. It's it's more interesting than just slapping a, a decal over an existing pinball machine and changing some sounds. Some sounds is what I'm getting at. Yeah, um, yeah, that yeah, it's interesting. There's when I was at um, Flip Out, there was a um, I can't remember what it was, but it, there was and there was actually two of these machines almost side by side, and it was an old EM, and then somebody had put a um, a ramp in an old EM. Okay. And I think where there was a um, a scoop or an eject, they'd wired that to an opto on the ramp. So going up the ramp had the same effect as going into this hole. So the company is called uh, custompinball.com.au and they've made machines for Samsung, Marty. Yep. They've made machines for... A whole lot of crispy crunch fun. I don't know, like a chip brand or something. Okay. Burst, yeah. Okay. Bursting with flavor. Yep. Yeah, literally a a, a, <laughs> well, a chip company. Well, we'll um, put this picture of. So the the machine I'm talking about is actually a very well known EM machine. It's called Jungle Queen. Everyone knows Jungle Queen. It's a very popular machine. And um, we'll put the um picture in show notes so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. We should totally get this company on the show money. For sure. They're in Brisbane, Bris Vegas. Awesome. Okay, what else in Social Media Watch? Um, hook, Marty. You yes. love Data East Hook. It's, it's really one of the, the worst games ever. Because of the ramp? Not just that. Just... just I don't, I don't hook, know. hook, hook, hook. <laughs> no, it's just... It's one of those games where it lacked... What did it lack? 
it lacked connection. It lacked good rules, any, good layout. No, it lacked effort. It was one of those ones okay. where they're like, let's just fucking churn this game out. We'll put some basic rules in there, pluck on some art. It's got a ramp. It's hook themed. It looks the part. Let's but let's drag some pop uppers onto the player field. <laughs> it's, it's. I don't know. I don't. Oh god. I hope it's not someone that we've interviewed that was on it. Um, but it's just a really, really uninspired game. Anyway, they go for like what a grand and a half to two or three grand in the US in Australia. I mean, I bought mine when I bought it. It came for free with a pinball machine, basically. Right, that's how bad um, it is. Yeah. And I got scared because, you know, I, those little mini DMDs cost so much. I think they've been remade now, but they back then they cost like 600 bucks, which is like worth almost as much as the machine. Um, yeah, Robin Williams, uh, the late Robin Williams, uh, had a hook pinball machine, gifted to him by Steven Spielberg. What do you think it went for at auction, Marty? Well, it's right there in the show notes, so yeah. you can just pretend. <laughs> oh, I reckon if they normally go for $1,000, I'm going to say $5,000. <gasps> Eleven grand more than that, Marty. No Sixteen thousand dollars. Can you believe that, Marty? No. Plus a twenty-four percent buyer's premium. Oh my gosh! So that pretty much means, like in Australia, like close to thirty grand. Thirty grand for, for a hook machine. And I don't think. I mean, if if it was his machine, he wouldn't have been like signing it. I don't, I don't think famous people sign their own stuff um, just in case they die one day. But anyway, um, yeah. That's a pretty expensive hook, Marty. <laughs> it really is. So, there you go. Um, what else happened this week? So, I saw on social media. Yes, TPF. So, you, you, you going, Marty? Well, probably not. Prob- Maybe. Well, I um, I I was thinking about it, but I believe is it the tournament that sold out? Yeah, the 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 major tournament there um sold out in about thirty minutes, and it only has. Uh, I think 160 people are allowed to enter. And if you saw the size of Texas, Marty, everything's big in Texas. Sure. The the allocated space they had for the competition is so small and insignificant compared to the rest of it. Surely, surely, Colin McAlpine, you can ask for more room. And if it's limited entry, um, you can get more people in. Deep Root have generously uh, upped the ante. And I think the person who wins will get four grand US dollars. Holy crap! That's a lot. That makes lot. it one of the yeah. That makes it one of the biggest comps in the world. Um, you know, prize money wise, probably probably the second biggest, right? Like Pinberg, then that, then maybe uh, it never drains. Yeah, I don't know. It's up there. It's up there. So, so I, more than you'd get in anything in Australia, that's for sure. Yeah, I uh, I bought a ticket for it, but it was after it was sold out. So I spent $0 and I'll be like, whatever on the waiting list. On the waiting list, right. Just just in case I go and just in case I want to spend half my time um, playing tournament games instead of checking out all of Deep Roots' amazing people machines. Yeah, okay. Um, So also on Social Media Watch, there was a, a video that just popped up on my feed this amazing save on Houdini. Did you see that at all? You fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, yes, I did, Marty. Hey, that was one of our most watched videos. Um, I know. That's why I'm putting it in the notes. So. Just a side note, because I can't be bothered asking you after. Did you change some of the settings on Facebook? Because when I went to post that other video that I posted on Facebook, it did this weird, like, Premier Facebook. Thing? Yeah, what is, what is no, that? No, that's just a new thing on Facebook. 
So I, I posted the video, and instead of it just appearing, it says, oh, we're going to go live in one minute. And it I know. makes it a live video, so everyone watches it, and then... No, that's, okay, that's, that's, no. That's, that's exactly what happened to me, and it was, you know, anyway. So yeah. so check that out. That was an amazing, miraculous save, and my crowning achievement when it comes to pinball skills. Did you see that other cool video that, that, um, that we posted, Marty? Yeah, of course I did. Have you ever seen that pinball machine before? We're talking about the uh, micro-something pentacup. Well, I saw it a day before when somebody else posted it, yeah. Yeah, I'd stole it. And just yeah, of course, well, that's what we do. Like, none yes. of this content. Like, even the stuff we're talking about now, it's not original. <laughs> what? So, we just steal everybody's content. And that was the whole yeah. premise of this show, remember? Yeah. So, sure. I mean, we, 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 don't hide we, it. We, col- we are collating the information. Say it loud, just like- say it proud. <laughs> and last, I can't be bothered doing the last one, that's too long. Yeah, cool. Move it on. <laughs> Patreon, mate. Let's talk about Patreon every week. Woo, Patreon. Woo, give us your um, money, bitches. The reason why I'm bringing this up is uh, we have to give away something now because we said we're going to give away to our Patreon subscribers a dulled-in uh, headbox side cabinet decal signed by Mr. Jack. Jesse Jack himself. Did we really say that? Yes. Oh, God. How many people do we have money? Oh, 10, 11 maybe? We have to give him a shout-out as well, Marty. <laughs> All right. So, let's give a big shout-out to Andreas, Jeff, Joe Fox, bitches, Joshua, Kevin, Matthew, Michael, Pinball Evangelist, Shanus, and The Pins. I feel sorry for Jeff because no one knows which Jeff it is. It could be any Jeff. Jeff Rivera. Woo-woo! The, ge- the now known as the generous Jeff. He is the generous Jeff. So. <laughs> okay, so in the order that Marty read them, that's everyone's number. Is that 10 people? One, two, three, 10 people. people. Okay, Correct. I'm going to generate a number from one to 10, and whoever I read out wins. Please generate a number from zero to 10. Sure. One. Oh. <laughs> Andreas. Andreas. Benson. Well done. Cool. You're going to post that out, Ryan, and pay the shipping. It's going to come out of the Patreon funds. And we, ha- we have to make a spreadsheet now of all of our expenses. This is how it's oh, going to work, right? Oh, God. I just wanted people's money. I didn't want work. <laughs> Additional work. Anyway, anyway if you want to support us on Patreon, uh, we will gladly accept your generous donations. Um and just yeah, thank you to everyone that has donated. We've been overwhelmed with the uh, with the support and yeah, the messages. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, like we already had the Roger Sharp interview done two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, so we we kind of gave the Patreon people that as well. So um, they got it early. Cool. All right, let's move on to Slam the Top One Hundred, also known as Pin Slam, Pin baby. Slam. So last week. I I got Frontier and you got Cosmic Gunfight. Yeah. You didn't stand a chance. Well, I, I didn't because Frontier looks freaking amazing. But someone made some, you know, Jeff uh, Teolis of Pinball uh, Profile fame. He made a good point that the game sucks because if you if you hit the uh, and you can only hit the drop targets from the uh, like from the right flipper. If you hit it with a perfect shot, you'll get left. Left outlane drains. Sure. I, if, yeah. But not on, not on every game. Not on every game. No. Just the games that Jeff Yellows plays. His skill. Okay. <laughs> no. He's not hitting it right. But I'll actually tell you, the, the reason why you didn't stand a chance was you gave me the best freaking gif you could ever give. 
you know, a, a bear doing like a roundhouse kick. That was awesome. My gif was good too, but th- there's a weird thing where you can't center the gif. It, like it gives you this big gif, but if it's not a square, it's just going to do whatever's in the middle. Anyway, um, okay. So, so, that's why so you know, that's, I was looking anyway, for people. I got eighty-seven yeah. percent of the votes. Everyone, uh, that's probably the biggest. You know, it's not fair. When you got Rob Zombie and I got Medieval Madness, you somehow almost nearly won. But when I <laughs> when I get the shit pin, it's a blowout because I just give up. I'm like, yep, you win. Yeah, no, that's You're right. Like, Come on, let's do it. No, that's Fuck right. Medieval Madness. Rob Zombie for life. <laughs> Mark Ritchie. Exactly. Mark Ritchie. <laughs> so, this is the point. If you know you're going to lose, then go completely the opposite way and try to get the anti-vote. Okay. So I'm not. way you can do it. I'm not good at arguing. I'll lose all my arguments with my wife. Okay. Sure. Let's do it. Please generate a number from 100 to 200. All right. 141. Ah, oh, yes. Radical. Radical. Ooh. Oh, what a shame. That was just one below Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like Avatar now. Please generate a number from 100 to 200. All right. 122. NBA fast break. Yep. Got it. Okay. This is going it. to be a good fight. This one's going to be going to be close. Got it. All right. Well, you have to go first, mister. Okay. I'm going to talk about NBA Fast Break. This is a freaking awesome game. Really, really underrated. I'm going to talk about the bad first. It's got really bad R&B. What was it called at the time? It was kind of like... Uh, like anyway. R&B funk? Yeah. It was like Bobby Brown sort of was all about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bell Biv DeVoe in the house yeah I'm, I'm doing that um, but I'll tell you what this has got this has got a fantastic layout the shots are really good they feel really satisfying it's got a, obviously a very unconventional um, scoring system people didn't like the fact that you were scoring baskets instead of the score well you can change it to the score but don't leave it at baskets and you've got the little flipper at the back that does the hoop as well um, it's got great call outs as well I really like the rule set as well it's very easy to understand what you're trying to do to get to the wizard mode um, really fast a lot of flow um, it's a really good Gomez and you can link two of these bad boys together for head <gasps> there yeah. you go that's pretty fun once <laughs> never do it again okay um, radical what a cool freaking game. Uh, made in 1990, right before the uh, the DMD era started. Now, we don't have a cool Back to the Future pinball machine, right? I mean, there is one, but it, Radical is, is closer to it because it's it represents that cool, you know, end of 80s, early 90s. Wow, man. Yo, dude, hang 10. This, talk about layout. You said the NBA uh, fast break layout is good, Marty. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish compared to Radical. Um the rules and radical, unfortunately, not the best, right? That's the only thing that's letting this amazing machine down. It was produced in such small quantities that it now goes for insane amounts. I've been looking to buy a radical money for the last three or four years, and they've literally never come for sale. It's, it's, a, it's like Stargazer. You have to beg someone to sell it to you, and then you've got to get out your wallet, and you've got to pay for it. Because this, you talk about unique stuff in, in Fast Break. It's all gimmicky. This is actually a unique pinball, and it stays true to pinball with normal scoring. You've got ramps everywhere. They're all clear, so you can see the entire play field. 
the sounds are amazing. I think Mr. Mr. Andrew Clark has one. I got to steal it off him. I might buy it off him. I'll offer you ten thousand dollars, Mr. Clark. Done. So I funny you should say that because the first thing I was going to say on my rebuttal was Andrew Clark. Please skip about thirty seconds because <laughs> I'm going to absolutely rubbish your machine. Now you said they they the limited comp um, there's limited quantities that were produced and they don't come up. The reason is people have scrapped these. Todd Tucky would have thrown this off his fucking <laughs> factory roof because it is so shit. It's it's got a really awful layout. It's just you, you, the ball just miraculously gets up into the pop bumpers. It it just nah. It's an absolute mess, and the the art on this is an absolute disgrace. It's just terrible. But let me tell you the worst thing about this. The worst thing about this is its flyer, which says. Get radical and flip over the profits. Oh, fuck me. Just awful in every way, this game. Okay. WPC 95 games. Almost all of them were absolute gems, except for NBA Fastbreaker. And how do we know that, Marty? Because people, you talk about people, uh, you know, people junk this machine and people, no, they don't at all. There's no... There's no one using this like they use NBA Fastbreak for a donor machine. People were making Medieval Madness pinball machines, Marty, okay, and Cactus Canyons out of NBA Fastbreak, so they're so cheap and nasty. Yes, they are now a little bit cooler than they were, were before, but no one has ever offered me a Radical to buy. I've been offered about 10 NBA, NBA Fastbreaks and all at a pretty cheap rate, and I, I don't want any of them because – Yes, you can have a bit of fun, but who, Marty, who wants to answer NBA trivia while they play pinball machines? There is nothing worse than playing shitty video modes in pinball machines except for the NBA Fast Break trivia. They have they, they invented something worse than video modes in pinball machines. Um, not to mention that ridiculous mode where you're shooting baskets. Isn't that fun? You know, they brought it back on Terminator and it's in Circus Voltaire. It's rubbish. You know, whack the flippers to score a two-point or a three-point. Really super exciting, riveting stuff. Um, the layout is very stop and start. It's you know. not. Y- you it shoot half, half, half the Sorry, shots Ryan, end up in that little basket area. Shots, and sure. Half the shots end up in the basket area where you've got like five holes and then you press a button to score baskets. No. That's not, that's not pinball. Nah, you're just lying now. It's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I am confident that I will maybe win this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Awesome. Anyway. That was Pinslam. Yeah. Vote on Facebook. Yeah. What's happened this week in pinball? Oh, last Monday, when we should have been recording, we had uh, Hashman's Super Secret Tournament. And... I've got to say that it was probably the best run tournament that I've been uh, that I, that I've run myself. Like the the least amount of effort running a tournament at someone else's place is so much <laughs> nicer than running at, at your own place where you've got to deal with your wife and you've got to deal with cleaning up afterwards and you've got to deal with uh, making the machines perfect. It was really good. It was a fantastic comp. Run and it was. It was run really well, really efficient. It was great. 
So um, I'm not doing Rage Shield at Rises at my house anymore, but um, that was kind of set up to be like this brutal kind of uh, event. Mm-hmm. Now, at the last minute, I decided to kind of make this like Rage Shield at Rises. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked everyone. I tricked everyone. Um, but I, I decided to do it instead of to, um, doing uh, kind of 12 – 12 rounds of match play for 96% TGP. Um, I decided to do three hours of kind of qualifying and then the top four make it to the uh, the finals, three rounds of, of playoffs. I just didn't know that the machines that I set up were so freaking brutal that mm-hmm. in three hours, Marty, in three hours, we somehow miraculously, like 29 people got through nine rounds. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Which I, means the, I was the there. longest. Yes, I played in it. Yes, that means the longest playing game out of all the games that were being played, the four-player game, was 20 minutes long on average. Yep. That's, that means, yes, I said it up pretty brutal. Mustang or something. The long, yeah, or AC, ACDC ended AC, up being DC, pretty long yeah. at the end. And yeah. they're, they're brutal anyway. So, yeah, look, you had set them up brutal, and, and I think you said at some stage you, you thought my head was going to explode from rage. Um, oh, I kind of didn't mind that there were other people that were also having shit balls as well, but they were set up ridiculously tough but you know the, so be it two, two machines were ridiculously tough it was Avatar Avatar and, was terrible and, and The Hobbit and uh, and I put no ball save on any machine and I didn't realise even at Rage Tilt and Rise I still had ball save like yeah. maybe five or three seconds so, so this is this that is changes the, a lot man this is this is what happens right so and you know we had a conversation I think with Jeff Teolis friend of the show as well who sort of said the same thing if you are going to brutalise a machine leave ball save on. If you brutalize a machine and then take ball save off, you're just sucking all the fun out of it. But we got through a lot of games. It was still fun. Okay, that's every single EM and, like, solid state money. Well, but we're talking about games that weren't designed like that, right? But they can be designed like that. Yeah, but you don't... Okay, let's let's talk about Avatar, okay? Because Avatar, uh, you know, said it a million times, has a pretty average rule set. Sure, it does. Now, every solid state game and every EM also has a pretty average rule set, but the short ball times go hand in hand with that, right? Yeah. If, if if a game of Paragon lasted half an hour, you would say, "Fuck, this is the worst game ever." But it doesn't. Yeah, sure, but there, as I said, there's three things that you're really looking at, right? And it, it's just about how you can extend the game, obviously. So yes. when you take out plastic um, rubbers on the outlines. Mm-hmm. You're toughing it up. That's one thing. Yes. Yes. The second is you're taking away the ball safe. That's yes. the second thing you can do to toughen up. Yes. The third thing that you can do, which was the triple threat on Avatar, <laughs> you know what it is, don't you? Yes. The ridiculous tilt. Oh, what? No. You could not even nudge that machine. It would tilt. So well, it was. Make your shots. It was brutal. There was no ball save, and you couldn't even move it. So it was just like everyone was just like, "Ah, oh, fuck it." Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, I wasn't allowed to adjust the legs on any machines. I, I when I was setting up, he said, "No, don't effing touch my machines. I've set them up perfectly." So I had to get like three machines that were playing too flirty. I had to get blocks and put them up in blocks. I was allowed to do that. I didn't want to remove, uh, sorry, extend the outlines. I didn't have time, and I don't. Some machines are so old that when you go to remove the outlane, you can chip a bit of... Um, if you go, Sorry, if you go to put the new outlane in, you can like chip the wood and all this kind of stuff. So there was two machines where I just totally removed the outlanes, and that was Hobbit and Avatar. Now, Avatar, if you remove the outlanes, the, the, the area 
if you remove the outlines of some of the machines, it's not that bad because there's other posts and weird sure. things there that you can't remove. Avatar is huge, big, gaping area. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I've got to say, and maybe this is just me because I had really good games on Avatar. There was one game, Marty, where I was playing Avatar and I think I was player four and everyone was on like uh, less than 10 million and I needed to get into multiple to to pass everyone and I did. And then I still need to get some jackpots in multiple. And, and then I drained and I looked up and I passed all the scores. My heart, Marty, was beating out of yeah, my chest. I and I never, ever have felt that playing Avatar. Or I don't even remember the last time I felt that playing normal pinball. I was so... You were dancing about. You were just so freaking in the moment. I was... Because I think I was in the group with you. Um, you were having a great time on that. And, and I think it, it was because it was so tough that it was a challenge to actually get a decent yes, score. that's wizard mode. Getting into multiple is wizard mode. <laughs> <laughs> it was a anyway, shame. Anyway, um, how did we go, Marty? Um, well, one thing that happened, because you actually had it timed, right? Yes. And the top four went into the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with the, the, this particular, with three minutes to go, I think it was, I was sitting at position six, I think it was. And so I was just desperate for the round to finish. So, because you had said, if everyone's finished by a certain time, then we will go our next round. So that's exactly what happened. Somebody finished with two minutes to go on ACDC. You quickly ran over, turned it and said, right, we've got another round. Mm -hmm. I did extremely well in that last round. And I made the final four. Yeah. Did you do? Yes, I had a pretty good run. I was first the entire comp um i yeah i just managed to stay in the top top group and not mess up enough to 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 drop down any position so i was first i got to choose the pins um Mm -hmm. i chose i chose all the turns yeah you did you turned it into a tournament (laughs) i chose mustang hobbit and we can't really call hobbit a turd but this one was a turd because there was no outlines okay um the hobbit and avatar uh, game one was on Mustang. I managed to win that. You came second. Yep. Game two was on The Hobbit. You came first. Correct. I messed up and came third. That was my mistake. The next game was on Avatar. I won that. You came second. So the end result was that we were tied, Marty, after almost four hours of competition. I we know. were tied. Uh, we flipped a coin. The game we were playing on was, what was it? Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Yes. Uh, you went first. You put up a, 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 on a score of about 22 million or something. I think I finished with about 3 million or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. I wasn't even close to starting multiple either. It wasn't like one more show and I would have no, I was never just, in that game. You, you, and you could tell, even when you, even when you, you turned around like finished, you just shook my hand and went, yeah, okay, let's move on. Let's just pack yeah. up. You were just I know, because I was, I was so happy with how the night went. I was just yeah, like, it was really one, good. one machine fucked up the entire, yeah, it was just good. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway. I've, I've registered the next one without telling Hashman, so hopefully uh, he'll say yes to that, and <laughs> awesome. I will be running it on a Friday night. So, M- Marty, before we move on to the next topic of conversation, um, uh, you went to Pimburg, right? Correct. And you came 87th. Yes, that's correct. Now, that means you beat out 650-plus people. 
Yes, I know. Right? This is him. You are better than 650 people from all around the world, including, like, Lyman. You bet. You I beat all these people. Lyman Sheets. You beat him. Former world number one. Now, for that tournament money, and you spend a couple of grand to get there, and this, this, at least you get to hang out with Jeff T. Ellis. Sure. Um, you, fit, you got 12.59 wubbers. Yep. Well, okay. Now, um, how much money did you spend to get down to Hashman's competition? <laughs> Petrol money. Petrol money. All right. Like two bucks. Yep. Um, $10 entry. Uh, you beat 28 people. Correct. Including superstars like Ryan C and and Luke Marburg. Yep. Thirteen point nine seven whoppers. Yeah, what? The, that yeah, doesn't but, make sense. No, Come on. Well, it does make sense because the difference is I came first on your comp. I came eighty seventh on the other t- tournament. Yes, but if but if the competition was out of six hundred fifty people, you would have come first in that, right? So surely beating out oh, twenty eight people okay. doesn't. I don't know. I just, I just, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole Whoppers thing, Josh Sharp. No, that doesn't I make don't. sense. Well, look, I'm, I, I'm, I had had a dry spell for a while, so I was pleased with that, and obviously, the week before at Bayside, so looking forward to those results being submitted um, to see what it's worth. I think it might move me up one place in Australia <laughs> ranking. Yeah, that was that was two in a row. Good job, money. Yeah. Getting ready for Melbourne match play this weekend. I am well, Melbourne you, match play. How is many this are you weekend? doing? Have you decided? I'm just going to do the main comp. I think. Ah, uh, again. Yeah. Uh, because I guess, I guess yeah that that was your strategy last time. Just everyone gets worn out by the the two days before then and not sleeping, going out and partying, and then money comes in nice and fresh. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't need to. I, 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 I don't, don't need know. to win a lot of comps. Yeah. <laughs> just a couple. Every once in a while, I'm happy with that. Okay. So, what you got go. this week? so what else happened this week? Well, my Lord of the Rings arrived. Ooh. And here's what here's what I really like about this Lord of the Rings. It it is a bit of a fixer upper. Okay. And what I mean by that is like the you, you did the report, the um the cabinet, you know, on the outside's got some scratches. I don't care. I'm never gonna look at that, so that doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. Um but what's really interesting, and, and uh, you know, I've, I've played Lord of the Rings, but I've never really studied Lord of the Rings, the actual machine, looking at the machine. God, the the art on the sides and even the playfield art is so low res. It's just the, 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 the side art. The side art is just disgusting. Um, but even the, the main is, is art the, is, is the playfield. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a bit blurry. I've never, never really noticed it that it's, much. It's not like it's pixeled like the the side is, but yeah. it's quite blurry so anyway that doesn't bother me this machine plays perfectly oh I say perfectly a couple of little tweaks but the flippers are strong everything works Um, it's had LEDs put all the way through it however they are ghosting like a son of a bitch okay ghosting all over the place so what I'm really liking about this is I'm I'm now going to fully LED this out in the colours that I like because I think that the colours that were used are probably a bit too red that I would like. So yeah, warm like warm fresh. white looks really good on uh, on yeah. Lord of the Rings. I what I, I I'm happy for it to be you know the bright whites right. I'm I just would prefer it to be that and Ooh. not reds. But, okay, yeah. this is what happened when I got my machine money. It had LEDs all under the. The, you know the hoods all the inserts yep. the uh, top I believe were incandescents or warm white I went and I bought cool white I'm like cool white cool white 
and I literally ins- installed them all, turned it on, and like just almost threw up. I was just like, it, it for some reason because it's like a grassy kind of like artwork. The harsh white light doesn't look okay. as nice as the warm glow of warm white. Okay. But yeah. you can you can you can try. I've yeah. If you if you want warm whites for the GI, I've got them. I can just give them to you. Like I've got I've got I always have at least two hundred warm whites. I shouldn't say that because then people are gonna message me and say, "Can I grab some, Ryan?" No, uh-huh. only for money. Um. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about it later because I'm just tempted to get a kit. You know, put my machine in. Go. Just give me all the glows. a kit. Yep. Like like a a coin taker kit. Yeah. Okay, you, you do know like a guy who imports LEDs that can like give it to you for about the third of the price, and you're yeah, also best friends with, with anyone. Ro- I don't know anyone decent that does that kind of stuff. R- Ryan Wanger, he's pretty decent. <laughs> he is decent. Comet Pinball, sponsor of the show. Correct. <laughs> not really, but he is awesome. Do no, not, but- do not buy kit. buying a kit is just such a noob thing to do, Marty. Oh, but you know me, and you know how lazy I am. It's so expensive. I'm so lazy. It's like three hundred US dollars oh, for a kit. I would pay five thousand dollars up that lazy. Give me three hundred dollars US and I'll fucking do it for you. With okay. Better better LEDs. Done. Sure. No, nah, I can't bother. I <laughs> <laughs> look the other thing as well, I don't know whether I mentioned that my my Wizard of Oz, the magnet stopped, and I troubleshooted, found out the uh, fuse that wasn't working, went and bought fuses put a fuse in and now the magnets work amazing is that your first repair Marty yeah no James came over and did it oh. <laughs> well no I, I admittedly I went and bought the fuse and put the fuse in I had no fucking idea how I was going to work out which there's like 10 fuses in this thing oh my gosh so hard 10 fuses <laughs> um, like, we even had to get like a multimeter out like what is one of those things what is a multimeter you, you probably, the funny thing is you probably have all the tools as well I've got just, a multimeter <laughs> like I bought one I don't know how to use it okay so, um, anyway hey we did something together as well we went to Anthony's house on, oh we did on Saturday night yeah that was fun that was really good um, I'm, I'm, I've said it a few weeks ago I'll say it again I'm really starting to like Guardians of the Galaxy I put a trade offer out for um, Adam's family to get Guardians of the Galaxy, and um, someone contacted me and they said, uh, "How about you sell me your Adams and then you go and buy a Guardians of the Galaxy?" I'm like, "I don't think you're understanding what I want here. I want a cheaper <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. I know I can sell it and buy one." Anyway, a lot of people want my Adams, and I think a lot of people want my Adams Marty's because I said it's it's pretty trashed. Um, you know, playfield wise, it comes with a new playfield. People think I got the pinball machine really cheap. I didn't. I spent, no, you really didn't. I spent a lot of fucking money oh, on it. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I will get the money back. Um, anyway, um, this week, uh, Quicksilver Marty. Yes. I got it working. Okay. Yeah, it was just a bunch of cables that weren't like had to re. It still looks shit though. I well, it looks shit, but I don't. I don't care about the looks. Okay, fair enough. Fuck, it is. The sounds on that game are mesmerizing to me. I love the sounds on that game. Especially when you get inside um, that scoop and it goes... Yep. Quicksilver is absolutely one of my favorite sterns, no doubt. They should... Beatles. I wonder if it's too yeah. late to change the Sea Witch to that. Because the Sea Witch layout is shit compared... I mean, like... Not no, shit, but... Sea Witch is But there's only so much you can do with that. But with Quicksilver, you've got, you've got more stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the Yeah. I want to get... I want to get my machines working like that Paragon. That Paragon is inspired. Yeah. Have a smooth playfield. That's the number one thing, right? Smoothness. Um, 
so I went on the website, that German guy's website that, that sells the uh, playfield protectors, and unfortunately, there are none for any of the four machines that I want for. Um, so I emailed him. I said, these are my four machines. You know, you don't have them on your website. Are they coming out soon? And he says, uh, it's not high on the priority list, so not now, you know, not in early 2019, like maybe late 2019, which in pinball terms means like 2022. So I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to make my own um, playfields protector because all it is is like you need to just cut it out. And the problem is I'm not one for precision, Marty. I'm not, I'm, I'm a hack job kind of guy. No, so. I know. So I've got to figure out um, – I've asked a few people and some people have given me some names of places I need to kind of research to, to buy the material. And then I have to figure out – I guess I take everything off the play fields. And they're single-level play fields, so they won't take you know more than a, you know an hour or so. Um, and then I guess lay a piece of paper on there, draw everything out, and then try and somehow cut this super thick plastic over it. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably a massive task, but – my question is, I probably should just go inside and look this up. How do you cut around star rollovers? Oh, because okay. Quicksilver has two star rollovers. So, yeah, but because they're, you would have to just make them super sensitive, right? Because these things are like super thick. So star rollovers don't actually go in that much. Like if you if you leave a gap there, then the ball might get stuck. Or yes, you could scalpel it and cut around it perfectly, but then it would have to activate really. Yeah, no, okay, that's possible. Hmm. If if anyone has Glad done, I can help. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> solved. Yeah. Anyway, um, flip frenzy is tomorrow, Marty. You yes. might be coming to help me out if you're, that offer is still available. I'm hoping to. Yes. As as we are talking right now, the 29th ticket out of 30 has been sold. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Jessica is coming. I have no. Idea. The, the brilliance about this is that almost everyone that is coming, I have no idea who they are, which That's means awesome. we have to make it a fun night, Marty. So ball save will be on. No extra <laughs> oh, balls. Oh right. Make it fun <laughs> for other people. I I like making the pinball community suffer, but I want to bring more people in. So after after lure them in with the bait of easy pinball and then make them suffer anyway that should be fun and Melbourne Match Play Marty we'll be talking about it all next week the biggest so it is this weekend our biggest one of the year so very much looking forward to it yeah and if you're in Melbourne and you're listening to this you don't need to pre-purchase tickets you you can just rock up on either Thursday night Friday night Saturday morning Saturday night um, to any one of the four events at the Golden Fleece Yep, and if you need more information about it, check out pinballscore.com or join the Facebook page, Melbourne Pinball Tournaments, or how else, Marty, or email us and we'll let you know. Yeah, pinballscore.com is is a good one. It's got all the event information there too. Cool. All right, shall we go to the mailbag? Because we've got quite a few messages here, Ryan. I've been talking too much, Marty, so my my voice is really broken. You you can read them all. I'll I'll read some of them. You, You... chime in when you need to the first one was actually a comment via Patreon so I thought there was actually some other comments about the Beatles episode <laughs> can we read them out no please? I don't we want to read to. those ones out no uh, they, they please were. no but uh. I'll read this was the, the comment in relation to um, Roger Sharp uh, Shane said still probably the most polite person in pinball though said bless you when I sneezed during a panel at TPF 2014 true story okay Famous. There you go. This next one. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is my favourite 
favourite email of the week. <laughs> this is from Rowan. And Rowan writes, um, was, was just interested in knowing some school holiday idea tips for us pinball fathers and the kids. I noticed Ryan today took his kids to a school holiday children's favourite destination where every kid dreams of going on the holidays. Was it Luna Park? No. The Royal <laughs> Melbourne Show? No. Was it even a trip to the zoo? No. It was Bunnings Warehouse Nunawadding Outdoor Furniture Area. <laughs> he was seen this afternoon playing table tennis on a makeshift outdoor table in the outdoor furniture area of Bunnings Warehouse for over 20 minutes with his kids. Sad thing, he was almost asked to move on by a 15-year-old work experience kid <laughs> for loitering. Whatever it takes to, to save for another pinball, I guess. Whatever it takes. <laughs> this this was funny but also creepy because someone was watching me that entire time and I don't know I don't know who they are I don't know who Rowan is have no. I, I maybe I've met him before I don't know I'm really bad with names but way. guys if anyone sees me in public and I don't know who you are please come up and just say hi come up and say hi because if you or don't say anything because if you write an email that means you are watching me and that is a very freaky concept to me um, no, but yeah my, but my kid loves table tennis and I need to get something from Bunnings and they have a table tennis table there and we, I, I, I can't stop playing she's like I want to get better I want to get better so we, he said 20 minutes he missed out on the, on the first 20 minutes before that so I was there for, for almost an hour Wow. Playing table tennis well, with my kids. Um, and look, the other thing as well, Ron. And I, this is what I said to Ryan when we were both um, reading the email to each other. It would have actually just been really freaking cool for those people that don't know. Bunnings Warehouse is a giant warehouse. It is a warehouse, a hardware store where you can buy timber, you can buy paint, you can buy power everything. tools, everything for the house. It's you could probably make giant. a pinball machine. You could probably Haggis pinball is there right now. Yep. So. It, it just I always said to Ryan how cool would it have been if you're in Bunnings and someone comes up to you and says hey are you Ryan from head to head that would be so freaky but how, how does he know that it's that it's me your voice it would be your voice my voice I wasn't really talking I was just kind of playing table tennis uh, it, you, it would have been your voice that's what I reckon mm-hmm. so freaky but hi Rowan hi Rowan um, so George <laughs> wrote in to talk about Crisco we were talking about Crisco hampers last week <laughs> A very funny segment that was. Getting, are you getting spammed by Crisco ads now, Marley, or just yes, me? Yes, I am. On my Facebook feed, I can see all the Crisco ads. Um, says, I'm interested in how you would describe a hamper to an American. Crisco to an American is fat in the can, even though it's got a different spelling. I went Googling, and I'm guessing it's a care package. A box? A picnic basket? Nope. A pinball machine would not fit. Are you familiar with what we put in a hamper here in the U.S.? I'm unclear if we have any sort of equivalent. It's a puzzled in New Hampshire. Well, a, a traditional Christmas hamper has things like it'll have a bottle of wine, it'll have some jam. crackers, some jams, um, maybe biscuits. some cheeses, biscuits, some um, nougat. It'll have nougat in it. It always has nougat. Baggages. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's what we think of a, a pic, of a Christmas hamper. Certainly not with a pinball machine in it. Yeah, so it's not. It's not literally. They won't make a custom um, <laughs> hamper basket to fit a pinball machine. It's it's just now turned into this company where you can put things on lay by. We were just yeah. being silly because we were bored. Because <laughs> there was no news for that's three right. weeks. Correct. 
So speaking of Christmas hampers, so Andrew McLean. Thank you. He yes. says, I think Head to Head should have a real Christmas hamper and use it as a segment each week to talk about. Each week you add more, one more thing to it and let people know what crappy item it is. People submit a one or five dollar contribution to Patreon for the chance to win the hamper. It has to have really cheesy things in it that no one really wants. Um, thanks for the suggestion, Andrew, but it was always what it was going to be. <laughs> Is it like spam in a cam, a small bottle of tomato sauce, a packet of twisties, cheap bonbons, a Chinese finger torture toy, a rusak, maybe a pinball poster, a head-to-head t-shirt, an autographed photo of you two, a Mars bar, a bottle of Fanta, some tinsel, a gift voucher to Domino's Pizza. I think you get the idea. We really do, except that all of those items were far better than what anything I was going to put in it. So, anyway... You know what? I was thinking about this as well and like, wouldn't that be a fun thing to do? And then I was like, oh my gosh, the effort. Do you know who would be uh, <laughs> excited enough to do this? <laughs> Mrs. Pin. Mrs. Mrs. Pin! <laughs> Mrs. I actually Mrs. thought that. I'd be like, should we message Mrs. Pin and say, hey, okay. can we give you money and you make uh, this like hamper? Like, like every time you go be, shopping you know for the say? family. She would, say, she would love doing that. She would say, don't give me any money. I'm fucking doing this. <laughs> So, Mrs. I'll Pin, put some Twizzlers in there. Yes. Booyah! <laughs> Mrs. Pin. Oh, I should have thought about it. Right. Okay. Let's go with this idea. That's yeah. <laughs> okay. If, if contact us, Mrs. Pin. Yeah. Um, there's another message um, from Facebook. You didn't put it in there, Marty. From uh, Michael C. And uh, he said that he just missed out on the Lord of the Rings that you got, Marty. Um, which is pretty funny. He he knew which machine it was from our description of of you know that it wasn't expensive. Yep. And there was another message from oh geez like September, um, I, and I just saw it just um, ten minutes before we started recording from uh, Joseph L. and uh, and he said, "Have you actually sat down and thought of what a Willy Wonka machine would be about? I love the movie too, but what the f translates to a pinball? What are you trying to do?" kill kids <laughs> each mode is just trying to kill a kid drown him in a lake of like yeah uh, load them up yeah yeah load them up. just inflate them into a ball put, put them down to a sore and they get yeah anyway yeah. interesting okay uh, Lee wrote in and said crikey $3,500 for a big game I was able to pick up a nice one recently for $700 US it has a playfield overlay but looks and plays great he also then sent us photos of his favourite System uh, 11 machine, and which is arguably the best System 11 machine ever. What was that? I didn't see that email. Roller games. Okay. <laughs> Roller games. Freaking awesome. Roller <laughs> games. Roller games. Mark Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever meet Mark Ritchie, we have to just sit there and chat to him. Like, you know what? Is, he'll, he'll be sitting there and just the two of us will just be crouching up. What an each year. Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Here's the last email. And this is a big one. And I say it's a big one because I think he sent it to us four times because we keep forgetting to mention it. So, yep. this is from good friend of the show, Marcus. So, Marcus is the one that actually does uh, the Rostown Retro Pinball uh, Tournament, which I've won so many times. Um, no, I haven't. I think once. Um, and so, he was coming to, to the defense of a particular machine that he felt was being besmirched. Ryan? Besmirched. Great use of your vocabulary, mate. You like that? 
You can. Yeah, mate. Cool. It says, hi, Riser and Martin. Really enjoyed listening to Dennis from The Eclectus Gamers. But seeing as though I've just printed Centigrade 37 on T-shirts for my competition, I feel the need to defend one of my favourite games. Apart from the amazing artwork, an actual real animated black glass is really fun to try and meet the objective of getting the thermometer to the top and bring the girl to life. And that's the story behind the game that I find people just love. A beautiful girl trying to clone herself in a machine that you need to get to the get the thermometer to 37 degrees centigrade which is the temperature of the human body to bring the clone ah, to life is that where the name comes from right? it all makes sense that's now. right that brings I the clone to life I just thought it was a random number I know once you do that the top of the clone machine flashes which indicates that you have to get the ball into the kick out hole to bring the girl to life and get a free game Getting A, B, C, D is not easy, and they light the top hole for a thousand points for each letter as well as drop targets. That hole then pops the ball down the bagatelle. The very skillful part of the game that many people may not be aware of is the bagatelle. Going down the top left-hand side will exit on the bottom left, which will then direct the ball to the out lane. So when the ball goes down the top, you have to start nudging to get it out of the bagatelle to stop the drain at the end. But of course, the bagatelle is where all the points are, so you need to make the shot into that top hole so it can then spit it down the bagatelle. Risk reward, mate. That's right. There's an opening on the right-hand side from up from the flipper, so players also need to stop themselves catching the ball on the right flipper as the ball will go straight out the opening and drain. I love the story this game tells. It's not just a pretty face, Marcus. Um, yeah, it's, it's creepy. There's a woman who's trying to clone herself in front of our eyes. It's storytelling, Marty. People always say that, uh, you know, high-speed one was the first game that really told a story. I remember Jeff Parsons saying that. Jeff Jeff Parsons, if you lasted three hours into this podcast, there you go, mate. Setting rate 37. Yeah. Beat it by, by what, 20, 20, 30 years or something. Yeah. yeah. It's an yeah, EM. It yeah. Cool. Are we done, Marty? We are done, except that Clarkie just um, messaged me and said about Radical, Dan Lee can't write code. There's so many bugs. Soren has to rewrite so much. It's been testing for six months. But Soren is doing it because it's a good layout. People don't recode no, shit layouts, Marty. Terrible. People have already voted, Marty. People have already voted, so you, <laughs> you lost out. No one got to the end. They got to about an hour, probably just after the um, Roger Sharp interview, waiting for the pictures to come up, and then they'll click on the picture. Cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah. We are the Head to Head Pinball Podcast. Check us out on headtoheadpinball.com. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, head to heads pinball is our handle on all of them except for Twitter, which hates hate pinball. Email us head to head pinball at gmail.com and we'll read your emails after like our two and a half hour, three hour shows right at the end. No one gets to the end but you waiting for us to to read out your email. No. No, that's um, right. Yep. Subscribe to us on Patreon if you want. Uh, links will be in the description for all of that stuff. Thank you, everybody. We will speak to you again next week. See ya. Bye.